Join Winnipeg Sports Talk live from the NHL Draft in Las Vegas. Presented by CoolBet. Beginning on June 26th. What's up, gang? It is time for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a game day edition of WST. But I have a feeling much of the conversation today might not be on tonight's game, uh, but more everything surrounding it. The Jets' new season ticket push, the conversations we've been having since last week. Uh, Mike McIntyre will join us, and um, obviously we'll dive into that, as well as tonight's big Central Division tilt as the Jets look to inch closer to first place in the division, while the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche will be going head-to-head in the Mile High City. Um, We are going to have a great conversation with Andy Strickland coming up. And Andy, of course, is uh, with Bali Sports Midwest following the Blues. Um, And we caught up with Andy a little earlier today. Um, So we'll get the latest on the visitors tonight and uh, their predicament heading into tonight. Um, But I will tease, it is quite an interesting conversation because he sort of comes at me asking what is going on here in Winnipeg when it comes to ticketing. We got into that a little bit. Uh, And then (laughs) you're definitely going to want to hear his takes on the Arizona situation. And Andy's a real insider as well. We've got some topics uh, in relation to the trade deadline as well. So we'll have that coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Mike McIntyre is going to join us. Um, and had a great conversation with a uh, new member of the Winnipeg Sea Bears to uh, finish it off. Um, so definitely a packed show. Um, so let's get right into it. Welcome to everybody with us on YouTube today. Hit that thumbs up button and the uh, subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, big thanks to the podcast listeners. Tons of feedback on yesterday's show. A great long segment with Jeff Hamilton. He and I have a have a knack of sometimes going over our scheduled time. I appreciate Jeff and everything he brought, and um, lots of great feedback. Um, you know, well, lots of feedback. Some of it more positive, some of it negative. But bottom line is, we know what a big topic this is um, in Winnipeg, our hockey team. Um, and there's a lot more than just challenging for first place, I think, as uh, we are well aware. The commissioner is in town tonight. That uh, I think they're calling it a fireside chat is on at 5.30. I believe it'll be broadcast. I'm going to go there for it, so we'll definitely be able to uh, talk about it tomorrow on the program. But uh, it's a loaded show today, so buckle up. It is great to have you all with us. We wouldn't be here without the great support of the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. Uh, Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Sport Manitoba, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Modern Man Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, and don't forget AEW Wrestling as well, coming to Winnipeg on April 10th. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? Feeling a bit nervous, Huss. You know, normally fireside chats are about fun and beers and telling stories. I don't know. You're going to roast some marshmallows Red, today ro- on, the, yeah, on roast the ice? Mar- yeah, they're going to have an actual fire. Uh, I do see on the Jets YouTube channel the media availability with Gary. That's 5 o'clock with the media is on their YouTube channel live. But I think uh, fireside just for fans uh, at the arena. And I don't know, I see some people commenting a little near what's, what's going to happen. I don't think the message is going to be any different than what it was on uh, what uh, May 2011, 
so we'll wait and we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a game tonight for the Jets, but a lot of other stuff in the air, and we've had some great conversations, some great, a lot of reaction. Has I don't know, there's a lot of topics that we've talked about. I think this might be number one for getting reaction, oh. although maybe number two behind behind Pierre Luc Dubois, but. Uh, number one in terms of like an actual <laughs> local local story. We'll always love you, PLD. Thanks for those two years of Dubois yeah. drama that continued to, uh, to direct people to Winnipeg Sports Talk as we tried to establish and grow the channel. But listen, all jokes aside, um, you know this is a um, you know that you know when we talk about the health and uh, of the hockey club, it is something that I think touches everyone, whether you're a very casual fan, whether you're a diehard, whether you're a season ticket holder, whether you're someone that just watches the occasional game on television um, because of how much this team means to this city. And, you know, for those of us that are old enough to be able to remember losing a team the first time, everything that happened in the, in the absence of it, and the incredible elation and euphoria that I think most of us felt when we got back in the National Hockey League. Um, as we've said, it's an incredibly sensitive topic. And um, again, I'm not going to relitigate and go through our conversations that we've had. We'll continue to have them on this program with a number of different contributors, um, like Mike McIntyre, who's going to join us a little bit later on. Um, but rest assured, I mean, there is a lot of work going into this. Um and I think part of the reason we touched on that with Jeff, why kind of the brakes were pumped last year, uh, I think they realized that maybe there was a lot more things that needed to happen internally. And um, listen, I, I don't have the the full breakdown of, uh, I mean, I do know they're hiring people, they're changing the organization, they are working to alleviate some of the things that frankly cost them some business from people that were invested before. Um, but I'm not sure there's a better example of it. Um, than what I got in my inbox last night. And, um, you know, Josh Morrissey's going to speak to this, but, um, you know, it's one thing to put out statements in the media and it's one thing, and, and you know, I mean, I think a lot of this work needs to happen, um, you know, one-on-one. And in a business that, you know, I, I, listen, I'll just say this. When I used to do ticketing and corporate sponsorships and those sort of things, I mean, we didn't really have, um, it was, it was a different world, frankly. I mean, you know, there was, I was on the phone all day. I was going and meeting with people and, you know, I built up relationships with my customers, um, you know, as a rep for the moose and for true North that, you know, that last till this day, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think once the team moved from the moose to the jets, it became, a little less personal, to be honest. And, and I think part of that was, you know, necessitated by a lot of things. I mean, not a lot of time to do things, uh, bringing on new people. Um, but the bottom line is a lot of stuff was just emails and it wasn't as personal as it was before. And that is why uh, I, I can tell you that when I heard, and I didn't know of this until Chris Johnson's uh, piece, that, you know, that Mark, who is you know, the, the chairman and the guy that, you know, was the catalyst in getting our hockey team back, Mark Chipman, um, on the phone with people, making personal calls, connecting with people. Um, I knew that would make a difference. And again, you can't do this with every um, lap season ticket holder. But in my email last night or in my inbox last night, I got a message from uh, a WST listener um, that said that, 
you know, in the uh, in the previous day, that Mark Chipman actually had popped by their place with Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey to, um, you know, check in with some people, talk to them about getting them back on board. Um, and Remo, I don't know if you want to fire up those uh, those those pictures. He said that it would be fine if we shared them on the program. And um, this is exactly the sort of work that's, you know, that's needed in the community. And again, you're not going to be able to do this to all 33,000 seats that have been lost. Um, but that sort of um, that sort of work, personal work, connecting with people, I think is going to go a long, long way um, with some people. And, um, you know, I got to give Mark and Josh a ton of credit for doing that. I mean, uh, you don't see uh, a lot of National Hockey League players take time out of their busy schedule during in-season to do these sorts of things. Um, but it's uh, obviously very, very important. And um, credit to those guys who have committed to this team, committed to this city, realizing the importance of this moving forward. And uh, uh, they pop by one of the places in River Heights. And this is the... I've driven by it once, and I can't remember what street it was on, but it's somewhere in River Heights. And these dudes, these folks have put a hockey rink crossing three rinks. Um, and again, for your podcast listeners, check the YouTube afterwards. But uh, there's some pictures, the neighborhood kids coming around, get some autographs. And, um, you know, I think trying to generate a little bit more goodwill that, um, you know, for whatever reason over the years may be eroded along with the season ticket base. And Remo, um, as much as there's a game tonight, um, the focus, I think, on conversations in and around the hockey club are less about uh, the recent five-on-five -five play and who's on the fourth line. <laughs> it's a lot more about um, where we go from here, how the organization can get back to where they were and achieve their goals of uh, regaining some business lost as well as connect with a lot of new people and new businesses and whatnot to uh, be part of the solution moving forward as investors, if you will, as every season ticket holder and ticket package holder is. Yeah. As far as the jets, I mean, their first place in points percentage in the West, everything, maybe not everything's going great the last couple of games, but overall Teams doing their part overall in the season, everything's uh, going pretty well. So uh, I think when you have the story from Friday put out in The Athletic, Mark Chipman saying, you know, this isn't sustainable long-term. I think it perks your ears up. You know, we had a nice bump in viewership on Friday, and now we have this Gary Bevin visit today, and I am seeing people in chat saying, you know, I'm thinking about this visit and not as concerned about the game. If it's something that's threatening, you know, the long-term status of the Jets in Winnipeg, I think that would probably be more of a concern over a Tuesday night game against the St. Louis Blues. So, well, you know, we're focused on both, but it is a big divisional game. I'm curious to seeing the Blues tonight. They're playing a lot better than they did here on that 8 p.m. start on a Tuesday in October where they did not look like a, anything close to a playoff team. But here they are now battling out for a wild card spot. And, yeah, and again, back to the attempt, you know, we're get, it's going to be interesting hearing uh, Andy Strickland's, you know, what he says from outside, guy outside the market. Yeah. Because uh, I... You know, I kind of agree. Like, outside the market, it seems like, you know, they're in first place. Winnipeg is a hockey market. I don't think interest in the Jets is down at all. If anything, it's it's higher. Absolutely And not. so I think maybe people outside don't really have the finger on the pulse of what's happening here. And, you know, talk about season tickets. I did see a tweet last night from a Bruin, you know, a Bruins reporter saying, you know, um, you know fans there, 
uh, experiencing a bit of a squeeze well, as what? well. I, I want to get I want to get to that. I want to get to that in a minute. But just listen. Sure. I just want to get to the chat for a minute. Sure. And listen. I know everyone's got their takes on this, but like Brass Bonanza, it, it, and this is. I, I'll be honest, and I get people can be cynical and in today's internet world where you're not saying anything face to face, you can kind of take a take and you can kind of run with this. But like Brass Bonanza, would they do that to someone living in an apartment downtown though, just to photo op? Just to be clear, these pictures were from somebody that was there. Like they didn't set this up with the media. And that's not a free press reporter that's taken the picture. Those are people that, you know, happened to be there either at the house or some neighbors that came by to spend some time with this. Like, can, can we not always assume the most nefarious intentions of everything? I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, at, at least and listen, if you are going to be like that, if you can't stand it, if you don't give a damn about the Jets, you know what, that's totally your right, and you're probably not watching this show, but let's just say you are. You know what, that's fine, but how about let's at least let the people that do care about the future of the team, the city, uh, you know, to do their part and not prevent positive movement and change. That, that's just all I'll ask. And listen, no one's telling you where to spend your money. No one's telling you how to make your own decisions. Everyone has tough choices right now, more so than maybe any time I can remember in my lifetime. Um, but I, I mean, can we, uh, this organization has certainly, they've made some, some missteps and some mistakes and have turned some people off. I get it. I've talked about it plenty on this program. There's also a ton of good that's been done. And our city is a hell of a lot different with this team than it was without it. Um, you know, Centra Tech CEO on the other side, the positive impact that TSNSE has had and will have on downtown is massive. This is bigger than, uh, than hockey for, uh, for this city. So, listen, you don't have to, um, and I'm not like totally in line with every single decision that's been made. And if I was doing things, it probably would have been different and some other stuff. But I mean, let's all just realize where things are, except the fact that, um, and again, people, some people will say this is a threat. We've known this from day one, a half empty building in Winnipeg is not going to cut it in the national hockey league. And the situation in Arizona is the biggest embarrassment in the NHL and maybe sports, as we'll talk about with Andy Strickland. Um, that's not a conversation that any of us want to be in right now. So there's a lot of work being done moving forward. It will resonate with some. It will not resonate with others, and that's fine. You're not going to be batting a 1,000 on this. Um, but if you're, if you're opting out or you're not going to be there, like that's fine, but let's not. Hopefully, I would, I would hope that people will not try to um, you know, be, be, be negative influences on the movement for something that I think everyone would agree is definitely a big positive of our city. Um, Remo, I don't know if you want to get that tweet up uh, that you mentioned, because, and here's the thing, and this is something that I hope we hear um, from the commissioner tonight uh, speaking to. We've talked before about how ticket prices in Winnipeg, or in, in the National Hockey League, tickets are making up for about 44% of their revenue, which is significantly more than the other major North American sports. And you know, we, and this is part of the reason why, unfortunately, um, tickets are what they are. If we want to compete, we want to have a salary cap team, 
I mean, the money's got to come from somewhere and they don't have enough. They don't have a big enough TV. They don't have all those things. It often does come on the fans. But I've said for years that there is going to be a reckoning in professional sports for the direction and the inflation of ticket pricing, basically pricing out average people. And, you know, unfortunately for us, I think it really hits home and, you know, the rubber hits the road here in Winnipeg more than it does in a place like Toronto because people leave, don't worry, there's someone else to be there. And that was sort of the case for the first, I don't know, five, six years, seven, eight years of this of this franchise, which has probably led to some of the other issues of um, alienation of some fans and why some people aren't, aren't there anymore. But this is a tweet from a guy, Ty Anderson. And, uh, and listen, I'll have to do a little bit more research of exactly what the Bruins have done as far as with their pricing. Um, but I'll just read this out to you. Scrolling the timeline seems like price increases from the Bruins are pricing a lot of season ticket holders out or making them think twice. Ticket market in general has gotten out of control post-pandemic and has not eased up. I feel for fans. I also think it's hurt home ice in recent years. Um, the uh, And then he, he follows it up. Uh, someone had said, you know, I'm more on that home ice thing. I agree totally. Sometimes I watch 2011 highlights and remember what a raucous crowd truly was. Not like that anymore. And it will continue going in the other direction. Again, this is Boston. I mean, one of the best teams in the league consistently. And one of the places that I think we all think is, you know, what going to an NHL game is all about. One of the best atmospheres in the league. Uh, Ty Anderson, nervous energy. It, like that almost instant buyer's remorse sets in as soon as the team goes down. You can feel it become defeatist and almost turn on the team when they go down, no matter the situation or period. It's crazy how quickly it's sucked out. Um, and and then, you know, and then it just goes on to, and in a place like Boston, probably not as big a deal. There's probably another business or company or someone willing to pay more and more. But I guess the point is, going back to this conversation with Gary Bettman, is that at a certain point, you can only continue to raise your prices and put it on the backs of the fans that are in the building each and every night before there is a breaking point. And I think we've seen that here. I think we've seen it in other places, Remus. And, I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, we're focusing on our market right now, what needs to be done to keep this team healthy moving forward here for a long time. But I think it is naive of the National Hockey League not to kind of recognize some of this and listen the PA and everyone that wants HRR to keep on going up and we got to get the cap to a million hundred million dollars that money's got to come from somewhere and at a certain point it will dry out and unfortunately it'll dry out here in Winnipeg in the smallest market before it does in a place like Boston but this is not the only place in the National Hockey League that fans are feeling a squeeze yeah Ty Anderson is with 98.5 the sports hub their sports radio station in Boston, and I saw that scrolling my timeline. You know, Twitter knows what I'm looking at, I guess, and uh, showed me that one, and I thought that was interesting. A lot of fans just saying the atmosphere change, and you see that in, in Toronto, and I did put up this graphic here. Uh, Alan Walsh uh, retweeted it. Um, it's just showing from Sportico the revenue breakdown of sports leagues, and we haven't shown this yet. What do they have? NHL, you know, their ticket revenue is let me see what a seating is yeah 44 percent compared to the nfl 17 percent. it's almost flipped and nfl gets all the revenue called national revenue that's media sponsorships 
And among that, in NFL, 66%, and NHL, 19. I mean, if yeah, you want the to... Carolina Panthers had like 3,000 people in a 60,000 seat yeah. stadium for their last game. No one was saying, oh, they got to, they're going to move because, I mean, they're like those teams are making money before they even sell a ticket. Yes. That's not the case here, which, I mean, unfortunately, puts more of an onus to fill the buildings. But again, like, does anyone want a league where the buildings are half empty, but it's good? I mean, that's totally counter to what makes a great fan experience. The games are better and always will be better when fans are engaged, they feel part of the team, and they're there in numbers. I mean, that's just, that's what sports is all about and going to games as fans. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I think people are, are getting, I see some fatigue from people in the comments, but this is what's going on today and this is what we're, what, yeah. what the topic is. Like, how do we, how do we avoid, I mean, yeah, you'd like to talk about Jets, lose tonight but there are some big issues and uh, again curious to see what Gary Bettman says if anything at all and I know we'll be t- talking about that more but hopefully also talking about a Jets win as they try to keep pace here with uh with the Blues I don't do you want to play the Morrissey clip yeah, of him yeah, yeah let's play the Morrissey clip and then we'll get to more and again we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about this with Mike but we'll also get into tonight's uh, matchup and we'll check in on the Blues who are right in the middle of a uh <laughs> a, a real struggle um, they got lost to Nashville last week. Nashville's won five in a row. They're now out of a playoff spot. This will be a desperate team coming in tonight. But before we hear from Bones, um, here's just a, a clip from Josh Morrissey on what we talked about going out for a visit to uh, meet some uh, season ticket holders and former season ticket holders as part of a, a little outreach with uh, Mark Shafley. Yeah, uh, just Chipper asked if we'd uh, come and um visit a pretty cool uh, outdoor rink setup that they've got uh, in the city here and um, you know that a I guess former season ticket holder had and you know obviously our job is to worry about wins and losses on the ice um, and that's where our focus is but at the same time you know it was just an opportunity to interact with some some kids and families that uh, you know love the Jets um, and it kind of was couldn't be any more in my view, Canadian and that, an outdoor rink across three front yards and, you know, with trees in the middle of the ice and stuff, it's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, it was just fun to go interact with some great people. And um, and I think that's something that uh, I've always valued about the Jets organization and uh, and Mr. Chipman is their commitment to the city of Winnipeg, uh, their their love for the city of Winnipeg. And, um, you know, I think that's just another example of... uh, you know, him trying to um, get players in a situation, interact with some of the great fans and, um, you know, be a part of this community. So uh, it was a lot of fun. All right. There is a, a Josh Morrissey uh, speaking on that. And uh, as I say, that wasn't a media photo op or anything like that. That was something that was sent in my DMs from uh, some folks that were there um, that uh, that shared it with us that uh, I figured people would be interested to know. And obviously, Josh got asked about it today uh, when some other folks in the media had found out about it. Um, tonight, though, uh, once the commissioner and Mark Chipman are finished speaking uh, with a number of fans that will be there, um, we got a big hockey game tonight. Here's uh, Rick Bonus on uh, the challenge of the St. Louis Blues. 
They're playing a lot better. They are. Those kids are playing really well right now. They're scoring goals. Uh, power play looks good, so they get great goaltending. So, yeah, this is going to they, they're a good team. And they're four points out. So we saw Arizona come in the other night, how desperate they were because they had lost 11 in a row. And we're going to have the same thing on our hands tonight. They're four points out. I know they've got a couple of games in hand, but uh, those don't mean much unless you win them. So when they're that close, you, they, we know they're going to they're gonna be coming at us. All right, so uh, we'll talk more about the Blues. Robert Thomas, the season that Jordan Kairou's had, Pavel Buchnevich, whether he potentially might be dealt at the deadline, coming up with Andy Strickland in just a couple minutes. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, last week it was the second line. Nikolai Ehlers had that monster game on Friday. Uh, that was also the day that Alex Iafallo and Cole Perfetti were switched from line two and line four, or whatever you want to call it, from uh, the uh, the Monaghan line to the Vlad line. Um, Scott Billick asked Bones about Perfetti and his spot on the right wing right now going into tonight's game. Trying Cole Perfetti back on the right? Yep. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep him in the lineup. Right, Alex looks really good on that Monaghan yeah. line, the one game they played. Uh, Morgan's uh, Morgan's more comfortable over on the left side. We want Cole to get out there, and, and uh, he's, he's on the second power play unit. Then we're just doing everything we can to keep him in the lineup. Uh, okay, is he doing everything he can right now to keep himself in the lineup? Well, his ice is down. He's playing against different people now. Uh, is playing against the fourth line, the third pairing D, most for the most part. Um, so, it, yeah, he is. You know, we, we're working with him every day on little things of his game that uh, that have to improve at, at this time of the year because the pace is up, the intensity is up, the physicality is up, everything's up. So we're just trying to work with him. And again, he hasn't been here. It's, he's missed a lot of hockey at, at crucial times the last couple of years. This is his first real go through it uh, uh, every night. So uh, it's our job to help him through it. And what are the challenges for him on the right side? Like, why why have you kind of avoided it? I well, I, I was kind of hoping that we would work the other way, him on left with, with Sean, but they weren't generating anything, so we had to try something different. Well, it's moving Nick over there, uh, we, we get him going. Um, so that you know, he, he looks he looks more comfortable over there. We tried Alex up there to see if we can get we. As you know, since we got Sean, I've made no bones about it. Just getting that second line scoring, and and not necessarily scoring, but creating offense a lot of times. So, uh, and that that line did it with Alex there. So um, we're gonna go with it. So there's Bones on uh, Perfetti's move to the right side on line four. And here's a little bit more on Perfetti. Uh, Bones was asked about using uh, Vlad, who has been Nemetsnikov, who has been such a, uh, a proverbial Swiss Army knife, if you will, for the Winnipeg Jets to help Perfetti get going in the, the role that he's in right now for tonight's game. Well, first of all, with Vladdy, I mean, that's his, that's his strength for our hockey club is that all of a sudden uh, Sean misses a game because he's sick and you move Vladdy right up there and he can handle it. You can move him anywhere and he handles it. His versatility and his hockey IQ are what is so important to us. Uh, there's been some chemistry in the past. One thing about Vladdy, he's, he's very smart and he hangs onto the puck and he looks to make plays. He does. He just doesn't get it and chip it in and, and forecheck like a normal fourth line would. He wants to make plays and that's why with Cole 
Cole. We're hoping that when they get the puck in there, Morgan's a big, heavy guy, and get in there and create some turnovers to get one of those two guys on the puck and see if we can make some plays. But Vladdy hangs onto the puck and he makes plays and he buys ice for somebody else. He'll get away from all the traffic, and which opens up some ice for for a guy like Cole with his IQ to read it and get in there. So, uh, hoping that works. All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus. We'll talk more about this with Mike when he joins us a little later on, but we'll uh, focus in for a few minutes on the Blues uh, and then hit a number of other topics with Andy Strickland coming up. A uh, Cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, big sponsors in uh, presenting the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival and looking forward to seeing all the Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers that sold out our event on Thursday night. We'll check in on the Dallas Stars and Winnipeg Jets after... A uh, little whiskey session as part of the uh, the uh, the, the uh, festival. Um, we'll have the Canadian Club ambassadors in, taking us through and letting us try a whole bunch of uh, whiskeys and uh, and hopefully see the Jets win a game again. It's at the uh, Sport for Life Center at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. So appreciate everyone that jumped on those, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Of course, our great friends at Canadian Club I remind you the next time you're at your uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts, check out the Canadian Club display with all the Canadian Club favorites, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, and always drink responsibly. Um, folks, uh, we'll see whether Vlad can be that battery boost, if you will, for Cole Perfetti. Um, we know if you need a battery boost or a new battery, the uh, best place to do it in town is Manitoba Battery, where you can shop local, get the best prices in town, and even better, you don't even have to leave your home because Manitoba Battery will not only get you the best price around, but will deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. New location opening soon, but in the meantime, for all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787. And uh, hey, fellas, if you need to uh, touch up your uh, your dome... Um, you need to get down to one of eight modern man barber shop locations with uh, fantastic haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Modern Man conveniently located at eight spots throughout the city of Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Plessy Road and Pemina Highway. And the easiest way to uh, get into Modern Man and make an appointment is to book your look at modernmanbarber.com and make sure to give them a follow on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barbershops. All right, Jets Blues tonight. We're going to hit that and a bunch of NHL topics with Andy Strickland right now from the Camus Strick Podcast and Bali Sports Midwest. Andy, welcome back to Winnipeg and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you guys. No problem at all. Well, we're getting down to that stretch of the season, uh, you know, uh, very close to the trade deadline. Um, you know, a team like the Jets jockeying for first place. The Blues seemingly right in the middle of this hunt for the final wildcard spot in the West. Give us the latest on the visitors tonight that'll be here at Canada Life Centre to take on the Jets. Well, it's been a roller coaster of a season. I mean, they've had their ups and downs for sure. Um, you know, obviously firing their coach. Um, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming entering the season, but you know, that's just kind of where we're at right now in hockey and the NHL, you know, typically the coach is, uh, one of the first ones to go when things don't go the way that you expect it to go. Um, but at the end of the day, the blues are exactly where I thought they'd be, uh, entering the season. I never thought they'd be comfortably into a playoff spot. I never thought they'd fall completely out of it. I thought they'd be in position 
to play meaningful games down the stretch, and it looks like that's where we're at. Lost a couple of home games on that recent home st- uh, stretch uh, homestand to uh, to Toronto and Nashville, which you know has made this uh, this upcoming stretch of road games even more crucial. You know, um, you know they get spanked pretty good by Detroit. They lose six to one that game uh, over the weekend. No one, you know, you, you can't have that, right? I mean, you look you look at how they lost the game. You know, they're down four nothing before you even know it. Jordan Bennington only lasted a period. Um, you know, they weren't ready to go. So um, this is a huge game for St. Louis. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Nashville obviously has climbed their way back after they got pummeled and they got pumped at home against Dallas a handful of games. I don't think they, they've lost a game since then. Um, you know, you're getting a big player back in Justin Falk here tonight. They've gotten great goaltending, and the power play has gotten better under the new coach. So, um some people look at the Blues and say it's a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. I don't look at it necessarily that way. But at the end of the day, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get, and you hopefully get a good effort tonight in Winnipeg. Andy, you mentioned um, the coaching change. And it, it was – I mean, listen, this happens all the time in the National Hockey League, but the the fallout from that was different than almost anyone that I can remember. It seemed like Craig Berube had such an incredible connection with that fan base dating back to the – miracle run to uh, being cup champions in 2019. Um, he had a lot of people had his back right now. I mean, well, what do you remember with the way that went down and, and what's that done for Jordan Cairo in particular, who uh, kind of felt it right out the gate from the fans? Well, I mean, listen, Kyrie scored 37 goals last season playing under Craig Berube. Now his defensive game obviously has gotten better this year. You know, you look at his plus minus from a year ago and uh, you know, he's a lightning rod player. I think if you look at most teams, in the league, the lightning rod players are typically your highest paid players, your best players. Um, you know, no one's, you know, attacking fourth line guys, right? You attack your, your top end players when they're not performing up to the level of expectations. Listen, I think he's gotten some confidence under Drew Bannister. I mean, he's their leading scorer since he's took over, at least the leading goal scorer. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been games where he's really flashed. There's been some games where, he's kind of uh, reverted back to, you know, some of the issues that maybe he's seen throughout the course of his career that have plagued him a little bit in terms of trying to find and establish that consistency. Um, But, you know, this guy's a super talented player, and, you know, the Blues are better with him in the lineup versus him not being in the lineup. He's one of the top, you know, rush um, scorers in the league. He generates a ton off the rush. Um, you know, the Blues are trying to, you know, establish a little more of a forechecking identity, something that they've struggled doing, you know. Um, Craig Berube was a great coach. You know, listen, I, I don't think he took it as hard as other coaches have taken it. You know, just throughout my experience of seeing other guys get fired here in St. Louis, going back to Joel Quinville, um, you know, he took it really, really hard. Um, Ken Hitchcock took it really hard. Andy Murray took it pretty hard. Um you know, a guy like Craig Ruby, you know, he knew he set himself up where not only was he still under contract and he was going to get paid, but he's going to be at the top of the list for any future job openings. And he's going to kind of be able to pick and choose where he wants to go. So I think that was somewhat comforting for him. And, uh, and he's still working with the team now. I mean, we don't see too many coaches get fired and then right off the bat, you know, they're helping the team from a scouting standpoint. They're watching NHL games. He's met Doug Armstrong on the road at least once where they've uh, watched some games together on the road. So, um, you know, it's not as bad as maybe people think on the outside. 
when you see a marriage kind of end like that, you know, between a popular head coach and the fan base and the organization. So, um, but a guy like Kyrou, man, he's got immense potential. You know, he and he and Robert Thomas, they've got to drive the bus. They were not good in Detroit. Both players only played one shift in the third period. They got benched in the game. And um, I, I would think that got their attention. I, I would expect Kyrou to be out buzzing here tonight along with Robert Thomas. Those two, those two players along with Buchnevich, they've got to drive the bus for this team offensively. And I would expect them to be much better here tonight against Winnipeg. Well, I, I mean, we kind of touched on Cairo, but I mean, all you need to do is uh, pull up the stats and you see Robert Thomas has been with 65 points now in 57 games. Uh, third period benching notwithstanding. Um, is he, uh, I mean, he, it was big, big investments from the Blues organization to those players as the future. I mean, is uh, Robert Thomas turned into the guy that they thought they were getting when they inked him to that eight-year deal? And uh, just how impactful has he been so far this season? Oh, I think so. I think they knew that he was eventually going to be um, become a number one center in this league. He was going to be paid like a number one center, and that's exactly what he is. I mean, he's a top centerman in the NHL. You look at his his numbers when he goes head-to-head against the top centers in the NHL, certainly in the Western Conference, whether it's, you know, McDavid, McKinnon, whoever it is, um, you know, Kopitar, he's winning those one-on-one matchups uh, on a nightly basis, you know. So he didn't play very good against Detroit. But, again, you just want to turn the page with that one. This guy's been excellent throughout the uh, course of the season. He's scoring more goals than he's shown in the past. He's shooting more. Um, He's been way more successful – um, taking face-offs, so he's you know established that part of his game. He's a good penalty killer. Uh, he's been very very efficient defensively inside his own end. You know, there's some games where he's not going to be as good. I think that still comes with a learning process. Still a young player, um, you know, but he's got that winning experience under his belt. I think winning the Stanley Cup his rookie season obviously goes a long way, and you know, kind of being under the tutelage of some really good veteran players like the Alexander Steens of the world. I mean, Tyler Bozak, I mean, Patrick Maroon, these, these guys, um, you know, were able to kind of bring him along and, uh, and show him what, it, you know, what it means to be a pro and how to, you know, go about your business on a daily basis. But his playmaking ability, his vision, his passing, his edge work, his ability to escape defenders with his quick cutbacks, he pulls up, he finds the next, uh, you know, uh, he's able to make that next play when he hangs on to the puck, which is obviously important. He's got incredible chemistry with Buchnevich along with Jordan Cairo. And when the three of those guys are going, man, they're as good as any line in the league. Sometimes they overpass and they pass up on opportunities to put the puck on net and to shoot the puck. I think they've gotten better at that. And, uh, and the power play has really taken off since Drew Bannister became head coach, like I said. So, uh, and he's a big part of that as well. But you know, Robert Thomas, off. You know, he listen. He's he's earning his money, and uh, and obviously, you know, being named an All Star for the first time this season was well deserved. And you know, he's slowly but surely becoming the face of this hockey team. Uh, Andy Strickland with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned Pavel Buchnevich. He's got one year left at uh, five point eight mil on his contract. He's on pace for another thirty goal season. He's a big part of that top line and everything the Blues are doing. And yet we are hearing some people uh, mention his name as a possible trade target around the league. What's Buchnevich's situation uh, right now and heading into the 8th of March? 
Well, we're going to have to wait and find out. I mean, listen, I don't think the Blues are looking to necessarily move him now. I think, to me, it's more of a summer trade. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not going to happen between now and March 8th, but somebody is going to have to you know, knock it out of the park in terms of a trade offer for the Blues to move him. Just based on where they're at in the standings right now, I think they'd like to have Buchnevich on their roster if they make the playoffs. You know, he's a guy who you know, can truly drive a line which we don't typically associate with wingers, right? Typically, we talk about drivers as as centers in the NHL, but he can drive a line even as a winger. Um, you know, when he's on his game, he's been a little bit inconsistent as of late. He's had some real good games over the course of the last 10 or so, but he's had some games where he hasn't been nearly as efficient. Um but I'm not going to rule out a trade, but I will say that it's probably unlikely. I don't expect the Blues and Doug Armstrong to do very much, to be honest with you, at the trade deadline. Um, I expect it to be relatively quiet. Things can certainly change. But it would have to be uh, – somebody would have to come to, to, to the Blues with uh, a pretty impressive package, whether that's two first-round picks, um, something that sets the Blues up for the future, a roster player – who's already an established, really, really good player in the NHL, which typically when you find, you know, teams that are looking to add that are in position to make a run in the playoffs, they're not looking to move impactful players off of their roster right now. So I think that's a difficult trade to get done between now and the trade deadline. I think at the draft you can maybe open it up to more teams. You know, teams maybe have a little more payroll flexibility with the cap going up. Uh, but I don't ever like to say never, but I would say it's probably unlikely that he gets traded between now and the deadline. You know, a- a- Andy, I mean, all of this does surround the playoff race as much as it does the deadline. I mean, the Blues are right in the thick of it. You mentioned that loss to Nashville, which was tough, and Nashville sort of has been on a heater since then, winning, uh, you know, their last, what, five games in a row to get two points up or four points up on St. Louis, but they the Blues do have two games in hand. How would you assess the Blues' playoff chances right now, and 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 what do they need to do um, better in the final what twenty seven games if they want to uh, accomplish their goal? Well, their five on five scoring has got to be better, and they have not scored a lot five on five, and that has been an issue for this team. I think the penalty kill has got to improve a little bit. You can't just you rely on goaltending and your power play to get you through, and that pretty much has gotten the Blues you know, through this recent stretch. Now, they've got, I think, seven of the next eight on the road. Then they come home and play a ton of home games. Um, if they can get through this next stretch with their head above water coming out of these next seven or eight games, um, then obviously they put themselves in position to really make a strong run at it, you know? Um you know, I mentioned Buchnevich about the trade deadline. I mean, listen, they don't, they're not going to get rid of Buchnevich, but the way the, the market is nowadays, I mean, these guys are all looking for seven- or eight-year deals. You know, if these guys were looking for three- or four-year deals, you find a way to get it done. But he, he's going to be able to command a lot of money. He's outperformed Kyrou from a uh, performance standpoint, you know, in terms of his production since he's gotten here to St. Louis. So he's going to want at least $8 million-plus per season. So, you know, it comes down to can you pay him? And that's why we're even having these discussions about, you know, Pavel Buchnevich being traded anyway. But 
The five-on-five play has got to be better. They've got to sustain more zone time. They don't spend nearly enough time in the offensive zone. Um, You know, I mentioned them being more of a rush attack team versus a a four-checking team. They don't hang on to pucks like they used to. They're not built the same way. They don't have O'Reilly here. They don't have David Perron here, Tarasenko, uh, you know, Barbashev, you know, those type of players that can hang on to pucks and protect it and really wear down the opposing team's defense which is what they were so good at. Bozak was good at that as well. So it's a, it's a different team. Um, but, you know, listen, I'm curious, like everybody else, man, to see how they handle this this upcoming stretch of road games. Uh, Andy, what have you thought of the Jets so far, and have they exceeded your expectations to this point in the season? Oh, for sure. I think they've exceeded everybody's expectations. I like the Jets a lot. And, again, when you have a goaltender like Hellebuck, you always have a chance. Um you know, they've got, you know, established defense. You know, everyone talks about, you know, obviously Morrissey, but, you know, I like Pionk. You know, Dylan brings a presence. You know, Schmidt obviously has, you know, played a lot of games in this league. And, you know, they were able to handle the injury to Kyle Connor. You get him back, he's scoring goals. Shifley obviously looks freed up right now and looks confident. Um, you know, you made the trade, obviously, moving out Dubois. You brought some good players on board from L.A., who have fit in really, really nicely. So, you know, I, I like um, what Winnipeg has done. I don't understand the whole fan situation there. you got to fill me in with what's going on there. How come the fans aren't coming out and supporting the team? I want to know the real reason as to what's going on as to why we're even talking about Winnipeg potentially not being there long-term when the team is having one of their best seasons in a while. You know, the addition by subtraction, by moving out Wheeler and some of these other guys, Dubois, and um, – you know, it just looks like a team that plays with, um, you know, I, I know they're winning games right now that maybe they shouldn't be winning, but, you know, they've been a pretty consistent team all season long. I like Lowry in terms of what he brings to the table as a uh, as a captain. But what's the story there, man? Why why, why is that oh, even a How much time do you have? How much, t- <laughs> how much time do you have, Andy? It's, Give me the quick <clears throat> version, man. Give me the quick yeah. version. Why aren't the fans supporting the, the Winnipeg Jets? In, in a nutshell, um, you know, there were some things, uh, first of all, market. I mean, this is the smallest market. We all know the the squeeze, first and foremost, that's been put on a lot of people right now and the cost of NHL hockey and the cost of season tickets. Um, but I think there was a lot of factors that went in um, to a, an erosion of that season ticket base. And listen, I think internally the organization probably could have done a much better job at keeping people on board, Um um, and preventing that, but we are where we are. And I think it caught everyone by surprise, like in the first <clears throat> month of the season, the first two games were pretty good. And then all of a sudden you had a couple Tuesday games in October with some big holes. And um, that was a kind of a real wake up call for, uh, for everyone. And I think to the credit of the people behind the scenes, they didn't go right out and go nuts. Then they started doing a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure they were ready to put forth a plan to try to regain a bunch of the season ticket holders that were lost. And, and the other thing that, you know, it's hard to overstate, but I mean, in most markets, you probably got 40 to 50% of your tickets as corporate seats. Um, You know, here in Winnipeg, because of the nature of the way the team came from Atlanta in the short period of time, um, if you had moose seats, you were able to get jet seats. Other than that, they had to do it fairly for everyone. And 85% of the ticket base was basically fans that were buying season tickets, that were doing it in groups. 
And that makes it a little more vulnerable when one or two people move or can't be involved anymore. They lost the tickets. Not a big deal when you got a waiting list of four or 5,000, but when that's not there, it can uh, fall off. I mean, there's still incredible passion for this team. And I think that we've all seen, um, I mean, the walk-up numbers. I mean, the building's been far more full, really, for the last few months. I mean, there hasn't been any real ugly crowds like we saw in October and maybe early in November. Um, but as you would well know, I mean, the, the long-term health of a team is based around a strong season ticket base and not having to work so hard game in and game out to fill 3,000 seats in your building. Um, it's more to work on big picture things uh, because you've done a good job at filling the season tickets. So, uh, listen, there's a lot of work going on right now. I'm optimistic that they'll be able to, um, you know, correct course, if you will. Um, but it certainly has been a big topic around here and uh, around here in Winnipeg. And uh, there's no shortage of passion. People appreciate the club right now. And um, I think it's unfortunately the culmination of a lot of things coming together at one time that um, maybe people weren't paying enough attention to, but was a little bit a long time coming. Um, all that being said, the interest in the team and the league is uh, maybe a high right now because the team's battling for first place. It's a very likable team that's uh, earned the, um, I think a lot of trust from the fans as far as what they're going to get night in, night out from the hockey club. But it brings us to, I, I, while we're talking about this, and God knows I'd never want to put the Jets in the same conversation as Arizona, and I won't, but I know you've been on, you've been on this story uh, before. What, um, what are the chances that the Coyotes are in Utah next year, in your opinion? Well, I think they're significant. I mean, Me too. Listen, you can only go for so long. I mean, the league obviously wants to be in Arizona, and I think if they were to leave Arizona now, there's always a strong chance that they find their way back there. But it's the pressure from the owners on Gary Bettman right now that they just cannot continue to have a team that isn't contributing to the pot financially in the league whatsoever. I mean, they bring nothing to the table, nothing. Sponsorships, ticket sales, arena Nothing to the table. So you've got NHL players playing in a college arena. They've worked their whole life to get to the NHL. It's a terrible setup for everybody. And they've just kind of been chasing their tail for how long now? And it's a shame because youth hockey's thriving in Arizona. You've got a number of former uh, NHL players who are living there, who are coaching there, who have contributed to the uh, – the you know you know excitement of youth hockey there in the desert. You've got the leading goal scorer in the NHL who comes from there. It's honestly the most embarrassing thing happening in hockey, and certainly up there, and maybe the most embarrassing thing going on right now in sports. It is really really ugly, and they can't allow this to continue. It's terrible. It's an embarrassment for the league. I feel bad for the players who are playing in Arizona and have to endure this. I'd love to see the team stay there, but they, they keep acting like they've got some big news to share. They can't get it done. You've got an ownership group waiting in Salt Lake city. And I think the, uh, the owners collectively around the NHL are at their wits end and they're done being patient. And uh, it's put up a shut up time officially. We've said that before for the coyotes. Now it's officially there. They better have something to deliver. I mean, concrete, deal closed, dates 
in place of when you're breaking ground, when this arena is going to be open, all that type of stuff. Not to say, hey, we have a pot of land. And listen, I think that ownership group, you know, land's expensive in Arizona. It costs, you know, well over $100 million just to purchase the land before you even start building on it. And I've never been convinced, and I certainly am not convinced now, that they're willing to invest their own money to do so, and they can't get the city behind them. I mean, the, the Suns are dealing with a similar issue from what I understand. So um, in terms of getting the city to back, you know, a future arena project. But listen, that th- this has been such an ongoing process. It's embarrassing, like I said, and I think thankfully for all of us, it's it's coming to a head and hopefully we see a resolution one way or another. They either better have this arena planned and where it's they, they purchased the land, it's closed, everything's a done deal or they're going to be out of there. Well, I, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, not only are the owners sick and tired of it, so we're the NHLPA who are partners in all of it as well. And I don't know about you, but I, and I know a lot of people reported when that press release came out about the Utah interest. It was like, oh, or the NHL is expanding to, to 33 teams. I mean, from someone in Winnipeg that followed quite closely what happened behind the scenes leading to Atlanta coming to Winnipeg in such a short period of time. The thing that stood out to me um, from that press release was that bit that they said, we are ready to host NHL hockey immediately. And to me, that was sort of tucked in there, but that was the message that if this doesn't get taken care of in in Arizona now, and and to be honest, I can't see possibly any way with all of this history that they're able to do that. This team is on the move, but I do agree with you that I think the NHL realizes that is a great market going forward. You have to have the right people and you have to have a place for them to do it. And if it takes four or five years for them to get the right ownership group together with a building, the NHL will come back. I have no doubt about that, but I think they're done sitting around putting 4,000 people into a college rink waiting for that to happen. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, You know, and I like Alex Morello, you know, who's the owner there. But And he's had a lot of success in business, but he has not had success operating an NHL franchise. Um, so I think their days are numbered, man. We'll see how that plays out. And hopefully we don't get to that point with Winnipeg. And yeah, support but- this team, Winnipeg. Come on now, you got a great team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they do come playoff time. I like their coach. They're a fun team to watch, you know, the Winnipeg thing. Hey, for outsiders. And I think you broke it down pretty well. And I think it helps explain, you know, why we are even having this conversation to begin with. But I think for the outside, people think Winnipeg, they think Canada, they think there's a line out the door for season tickets and for those to get into games, you know, that (laughs) this is not something that you would typically associate with a Canadian market in terms of being able to fill a building, especially for a contending team. So hopefully everything works out for you guys there in Winnipeg too. That's certainly, uh, that is certainly the plan. Hey, Andy, just before we go, you're uh, always a great source of uh, some insider news. I mean, just as far pertains to the trade deadline, um, uh, what's intriguing you, the teams right now? And is there a player or two that, you know, we're, uh, that you're keeping a very close eye on that could be on the move? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's it's the same players, right? I mean, um, Jake Gensel obviously is, you know, a player that I think really highly of. I think he's a hell of a player, and I'm I'm curious to see where he lands if, in fact, he moves on. 
I think, you know, Kyle Dubas and company in Pittsburgh got to decide what they want to do. I mean, they just, I, we, we, we talked, Cam Jansen and I talked about it on our podcast, Cam and Strick podcast, if you've ever checked that out. Um, shameless plug, I apologize, but I wanted to throw that out there. And we talked about Sidney Crosby and his future with Pittsburgh. I mean, it sounds like they have an extension in place, and nobody could ever potentially see Crosby playing in a different uniform. But, I mean, this guy's more than a point-per-game player right now. Is he just going to miss the playoffs for the next several years, the rest of his career? I mean, like, you'd hate to see that. I'd rather see Crosby play elsewhere than see him miss the playoffs. I mean, they they, they just got to they gotta retool that organization in terms of how they want to go about planning for the future and uh, and setting that, that franchise up for the future. Because right now they've got a lot of work to do, and they're really, really aging quickly. So I'll be, I'll be curious, you know, Gensel – Obviously, you know, you look at the players involved in Calgary, whether it's Noah Hannafin, you got the goaltender. The goaltending market, obviously, in general, you know, you see Soros. I, I think a team like Ottawa, for example, could kick some tires on Soros. And, and, and people just associate the trade deadline with contending teams. But, you know, this could be their opportunity to get a goaltender and to set them up moving into next season versus having to do that in the summer. So I know that's being talked about a little bit. Obviously you've got Tarasenko there in, uh, in Ottawa. You want to know where he's going to end up. Buchnevich here in St. Louis to see if he actually gets moved. Um, you know, what does LA do with their goaltending situation, man? Listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest, you know, in terms of what some of these teams are going to be able to do. But um, again, it's easier said than done. I will say this about the goaltending. The idea of adding a goaltender at the deadline and expecting immediate results, uh, it, it just doesn't always work that way. I remember when the Blues, they were so good back in 2014 and thought that they had a team that was good enough to win, and they made the trade for Ryan Miller, who was the biggest goaltender available at the time. They gave up a first-round pick. They moved Chris Stewart as well, uh, Yarrow Halak. Um, you know, they got Steve Ott, who ended up playing here the rest of his, or not the rest of his career, but for several years, and now he's back here coaching. But the the, the Ryan Miller trade, he just couldn't adjust to playing here in St. Louis. Like, he went from facing 40-plus shots a night to all of a sudden facing about 20 shots, completely different uh, group of players, and he could never really settle in and get comfortable. And I think that is, you know, a concern. If I were a team looking to give up major pieces or assets for a goaltender, uh, there's no guarantee that the goaltender is going to be able to come in, let alone play well, plus deal with the pressure of like being expected to be the piece that's going to get them over the hump in a already pressured position. Now you add that pressure onto it, it makes it very, very difficult. So teams, I think, that are all of a sudden going to you know, become a contender overnight or much better overnight by adding a goaltender – this doesn't always look like, you know, work that way. New Jersey's another team. Let's see what, you know, what they end up doing. You know, goaltending obviously is an issue there, man. So there's a lot of intrigue between now and uh, March 8th. No, I cannot yeah. wait for it and uh, this push to the playoffs, but it should be a good one tonight. Andy, this has been an awesome convo. Love the Cam and Strick podcast, folks. You can uh, check that out and subscribe wherever you get Winnipeg Sports Talk and your other favorite pods. And, of course, when uh, you're turning the blues on the tube, you'll see Andy as part of the Bali Midwest uh, broadcast crew. Andy, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we'll uh, catch up again in the future. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Anytime. Uh, Jordan Everly, too. I didn't mention his name. Look for him to we'll see what happens there with Everly out of, uh, out of Seattle, although they got an important two points last night. But, hey, listen, man, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
We're not just for the showboats or the champions. We're here for the good ones. The ones who work hard and show up for others not to get recognized, but because it's the right thing to do. We'd like to think that our good intentions show up in our beer. We keep working to perfect it, not because we want fame or fanfare, but because you deserve it. 1919, the good you deserve. All right, great stuff with Andy Strickland. That was, uh, I told you it would be an interesting conversation. We hit a number of topics. We're going to get to the jet scene with Mike McIntyre going forward, but uh, not that uh, all of you don't know already uh, about the uh, campaign, season ticket campaign that began last week for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but if you do want to find out more about options, I know there's plenty of talk in the chat about how much tickets are. I mean, they have done a lot of work to try to make some legitimately very affordable seats with season tickets starting right around $40 for next season um, uh, in the uh, in the upper bowl. Go to winnipegjets.com slash deposit. And uh, if you do put a deposit on a package for next season, you will have access to playoff tickets with ticket package holders before they go on sale to the general public. And uh, with the Jets battling for first place, um, probably a great time if you've been on the fence or uh, feeling that, you know, you would like to, you know, jump on board and uh, be uh, part of uh, the organization and the fan base moving forward. This is a great time to do it with the uh, perk of the playoff tickets as well. So get to the Jets website. Uh, we'll be talking about it quite a bit more, whether I think some people like it or not. But um, obviously, it's a huge topic, and uh, we'll see what Mike has to say about it all. And tonight's game against the St. Louis Blues as we continue on. But there you go, winnipegjets.com slash deposit. More information on reserving your 24-25 seats today and counting yourself in for whiteouts at Canada Life Centre. I've got to thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace, the fencing and overhead door specialists in Manitoba. They've been the leaders in uh, the game since 1946 here in Winnipeg. And while spring's coming, we'll see their fences and trucks all over the city. It was warm last couple days. It's minus 18 today. This is the time of year that puts the most stress on your overhead door. The right time to prevent downtime is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your maintenance service call today uh, for uh, all of your residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace & Wallace. And imagine there'll be a few suits at the building tonight. Certainly one worn by Gary Bettman. Um... The fans will be dressed as fans, I'm sure. But uh, listen, if you do need to suit it up or just up your menswear game, there's only one place to do in Winnipeg, and that's F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Now, the fellas at F have custom suits made to fit and look great, starting at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are getting married or in a wedding party, make sure to talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel. Also, the go-to spot for grad suits for uh, 2024 high school graduates. Again, they're at 190 Smith Street. Find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's ephapparel.com. All right, let's bring in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's going on? Great to see you in the seats last game. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a different experience for for myself, Huss. Um, I was actually sitting with uh, with some some free press uh, sponsors and advertisers, uh, and so I, I did get to take in the Coyotes game the other day from the crowd. And I was, you know, telling a lot of my media colleagues like we're always up in the press box in most rinks, especially a lot of road rinks. Like you are, the players look like ants, and the game. Quite honestly, it looks a lot simpler from way up. And you often hear players, you know, who've been healthy, scratched or injured. They talk about how how easy the game seems from high above. And I must say, being down at ice level was a... And I hadn't been at ice level to watch an NHL game for quite some time. It was a good reminder just at the, the pace, the intensity, the physicality. And, you know, how little time these guys often have to make, you know, decisions that that can have a real impact on what happens. Like the Nino Niederreiter play behind the net early in the third that led to the tying goal. Like that's a play certainly from up above. You're like, oh, what a terrible, what a terrible play by Niederreiter, awful turnover. Of course, you see it a little closer to ice action. You're like, well, geez, he had, you know, a millisecond to kind of make a decision there. So I'd say that I'm a little, uh, a little kinder, a little gentler, if you will, towards the players having uh, seen a game up close. And you know, another thing, Huss, uh, and the timing worked out really well. Like given all the news last week, Mark Chipman talking to the Athletic, Gary Bettman's uh, impending visit, there was a real buzz in the rink, and I talked to a lot of fans. I overheard a lot of fans talking. You know, people that just bought tickets on a whim. Um, you know, partly because of what they had just heard in the news over the the, the last few days. Uh, and there was a real energy, you know, it was the Wasack night and a beautiful, you know, presentation pregame. They, they, and I'm going to beat this drum, Huss. I love the live entertainment, like during the intermissions. That is something when I travel to cover Jets road games, I see that in a lot of rinks. Nashville was, I think, probably the first to do it. They have like country bands playing. There's a lot of rinks now that feature local musical acts, it adds so much to the game day presentation. And I've been saying this for a while, like here in Winnipeg, we have so much musical talent. And, you know, why not have uh, a singer, a band, whatever? And we, we have seen it a few times this year. I think the Air Force uh, band, they, they were playing. And I just think it adds so much to the intermissions, the, the entertainment. And I'd like to see that become a regular thing. Um, you know, pretty nice crowd only 900 or so short of a sellout. And I think we can safely say the Coyotes, who clearly Andy Strickland is not a big fan of, he wouldn't <laughs> buy. Andy Strickland wouldn't be buying tickets to go watch a Coyotes game, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but, the you know, that game, maybe as opposed to some bigger crowds in the past where you could say, well, the visiting team had a role, like that was 14, almost 4,000, 14 and 1,400 Jets fans there the other night. There wouldn't have been many Coyotes fans. Uh, so it was good to see. Real energy, real excitement, and obviously uh, an exciting way for that game to end. Kind of deja vu with Josh Morrissey to Kyle Connor. Usually has the sequel isn't as good as the original. Uh, I think Jets fans would say the sequel to the Morrissey to Connor overtime winner uh, Friday night to Sunday was was just as, if not even better. Yeah, and listen, we'll dive into more about the actual on-ice stuff in a second. Um, you know, I, 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 it was good to see you down there. And I often say this to some of our other colleagues that, 
you know, and it's part of the reason why I still buy season tickets and like being down there because I feel so much more connected to the fan base, to be totally. honest with you, doing what I'm doing every day. And and listen, I mean, I would say this, like probably 95% of most of the media's interaction <laughs> with fans or with, with people is unfortunately on Twitter and social media. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that is not just real life, not, that, it's that not is, real life. That is not real life. And, you know, you come downstairs um, and spend a couple of the intermissions in the concourse of the arena. You know, you do one up in the upper bowl and you go downstairs to that area that they put out where a lot of people come yep. for where the old Moxies was. Um, you'll get a lot, You'll trust me, you'll get a lot of feedback and I would say some very different perspectives than maybe some of the same voices you're getting over and over again on your inbox on uh, on X or whatever. So um, anyways, it was great to see you there. Shout out to the guy sitting beside you as well, who was rocking the Winnipeg Sports Talk hat. He appreciated, was. <laughs> appreciated the support from him. Uh, it was nice to see. And um, you, you know what? I, I mean, I, I kind of do want to get to the game tonight and, you know, where the team is at. But, you know, there's considering a game tonight. There is a game tonight, but oh. there's something happening beforehand, Mike. I mean, just give us your sort of read on the situation, where things are at, how the organization's moving forward, doing very necessary work uh, that will hopefully result in a, a much more healthy franchise moving forward uh, and obviously uh, coinciding with the visit of the commissioner today. Yeah, a few things. And I wrote a piece in yesterday's Free Press, kind of a, a bit of a primer, if you will, looking at some of the burning questions. And I get that there's a lot of alarm in the community. There's probably in some quarters some panic from fans. Uh, look, people around here, huh, especially people that live through Jets 1.0, there's probably some PTSD when it comes to the NHL team. Uh, and so naturally, you know, all of a sudden you hear the, the, the owner, Mark Chipman, kind of sounding the alarm last week about attendance. And look, I mean, I think we, we all knew attendance was down this year. That's not some great secret. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, you see the numbers. Um, now, the, the attendance has actually been trending up. It's kind of a tale of two seasons here. If you look at before Christmas, uh, certainly October, November, early December, like there were some ugly crowds at Canada Life Centre. We're talking like in the mid-11s, low 12s. Like that, that was an alarming sign. And I think we all knew, Huss, uh, True North, wouldn't come out and say what the season ticket base was, but you could kind of do the math. If they're only getting, you know, 11 and change for a game, but obviously the season ticket base has taken a big hit. We now know that number. Mark Chipman confirmed last week that it's around 9,500, and that's down about 3,500 season ticket holders that they now need to try and get back. As the headline in that piece in the Free Press said, no need to panic yet. There is not a doomsday scenario. Gary Bettman is not here in Winnipeg today, Haas, to announce the Jets are relocating. Um, I don't believe there's any imminent danger, any imminent scenario here, but there's certainly cause for concern. Uh, and that's why, you know, True North and the Jets and the league are addressing this. And, um, you know, I think there's been some really interesting admissions from the organization that... Uh, Maybe they haven't always been the best in terms of service to their customers. That is something, Huss, I've heard it a ton in the last couple of years. I'm sure you've heard it from a lot of disgruntled former ticket holders. 
And I've long maintained that for the Jets to kind of reconnect with the community, forget about talking to people that are currently going to the games. You have that. That's that is an audience that you already have. It's the people that stop coming. And I must say, I'm heartened to see that the Jets and Mark Chipman himself is in fact reaching out to some of those people because I think that's how you learn. Um, that's how you maybe try and correct some arrows. And as we found out earlier today, Huss, like that connection, we're talking a very personal connection in some ways. Josh Morrissey this morning talked about how yesterday on a day off for the team, he and Mark Shifley accompanied Mark Chipman to a former season ticket holder's house. Uh, this guy apparently has kids. He also has quite the front yard hockey rink. Josh Morrissey said it actually covers, uh, there, there's a picture of it, three front yards with trees in the middle. Um, now that is, uh, that is a personal touch, if ever there was one. It kind of reminds me of what they do, I think it's in Pittsburgh, where members of the Penguins in the offseason will actually deliver, like Sidney Crosby will show up at your house to deliver your season tickets. The Jets haven't really done things like that. Um, the fact that they now are, Hey, I always say better late than never, right? It's never too late to do the right thing. And again, for those who are sounding the alarm that, you know, the Jets, uh, the things are, are bleak here, like, it, no, it's not too late. There's a lot of time, I believe, to sort of correct this. And I still believe there is a very vibrant, healthy hockey market here that can support the Winnipeg Jets long term. Are they facing some challenges? Absolutely. And, you know, to Gary Bettman's visit, we're going to hear from the commissioner. Uh, he'll speak with the media at 5 p.m. today. And then what should be really interesting, he's going to have this fireside chat with fans with some pre-selected screen questions inside the rink at 530. Uh, to be clear, Haas, Gary Bettman tries to visit all NHL markets once a year. This is not some emergency drop-in visit here. Gary Bettman would have made his way to Winnipeg at some point this season anyways. Um so I don't think you can read too much. Like he, Gary Bettman's not coming here because the franchise is on life support. He's coming here because he usually comes to Winnipeg once a year. But obviously, the agenda for this year's visit is probably a little bit different. We know he's he's met with some business leaders, some corporate uh, entities today, uh, and obviously it's it's you know pressing the flesh, maybe rattling some cages. And I think at the end of the day, Huss, what this does come down to largely is corporate support. Uh, as we know, as Mark Chipman himself has said, the Jets only have about 15% of their season ticket base is from corporate sales. That is by far the lowest in Canada. And that puts an incredible amount of pressure on Joe and Jane Public to support the team. And when the economy takes a hit, as it has, cost of living is rising, all the post-pandemic stuff. Now you're really leaning heavily on those regular folk when you don't have the the corporate support to kind of keep you afloat. So I think it makes sense that you're trying to maybe really rally a lot of that corporate element to see if you can get some additional uh, assistance. And, you know, finally, Huss, my last point on this, but a lot of people say, well, why now? This is a distraction. The Jets are going well. I think the fact that Jets are going well is exactly why you do this now. It's a lot easier to to push this when things are going really well. And obviously, if you're the Jets and True North, you want things to continue to go well. 
Um, if the situ- if the Jets were, you know, out of a playoff spot right now, it's probably a bit of a harder sell in the middle of February or late February to to get people to maybe open their their wallets. Um, but now that things are going well, you know, you can sell them on, hey, look how fun this is. Things are going great. Let's keep this up. And we need to kind of firm up our foundation so that inevitably, if if things aren't going so well in terms of the team winning and maybe walk-ups being really strong, like they clearly are right now, you know, 5,000 people obviously bought walk-ups the other day to have almost 14,500 there with the season ticket base. You want to firm up that foundation so that it is uh, rock solid for years to come. Well, uh, you know, you're... They, they have to. And and what we've seen, and this goes back to, and again, I guess probably average fans might not know this, but uh, I mean, the, there's a level of, the Winnipeg Jets had a scarcity of a ticket early on that, I mean, you know, you had this waiting list, you had everyone clamoring to get in the building. And I mean, I, I think it created a bit of a situation that, I mean, they would admit and have as much that, you know, they got away from doing a lot of things on a service side with people that had been spending a lot of money with the team that, um, you know, that wasn't in their best interest long-term. I mean, the bottom line is, is that if you're in a, in a market this small, if all of a sudden your season ticket base dries up and it is incumbent on you to go and sell 5,000 individual tickets each and every game, right? it's a long season. Many of us would argue too long. But it is what it is. Um, that's how early on in the year you have big, big holes in uh, in your uh, in your building. And to their credit, they've done a much better job. As and I think the team deserves a lot of credit too for the way that sure. they played and and done all that. But um, you know, for for folks, I'm just looking at this schedule. And we went to the game against the Kings on Tuesday, October 17th. So if you want some more insight on, on it. The show on Wednesday, the 18th, we came in and the first 18, like this was PLD's return. This is a little bit, it was a tough loss for the Jets. There was a lot that happened. Didn't even talk about that for the first, probably maybe hour of the show. And I'll be honest, I was shook. I mean, and again, I'm someone that was around when the team left the first time, um, worked trying to help build up the Manitoba Moose in the meantime, which was, you know, at times a real struggle, but it worked and we ended up getting a team back. And that was the, um, like, like, like basically this goes back to that moment, which was the realization, I think for a lot of people, myself included as to where it had gotten to. But if you go back to the kind of the soft launch and then hard stop on the forever Winnipeg campaign last year, I mean, I've been saying this a couple of times this week, but I think the organization probably right up to Mark Chipman realized that there was some introspection, some things that they needed to do first before they went forward, you know, with trying to regain the business of a lot of people that they had lost and maybe some trust from some of the people sure. that had been customers before. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we had a great chat with Norva Riddell uh, last week kind of when they launched this, speaking to some of the things that they've done. And the bottom line is they had to take care of that first before then going to the community to try to re-engage them. And I think that's happening now. And I will certainly say it probably would have been in everyone's best interest for this to happen earlier. But I also think that the pandemic kind of put pause on because the, the price of everything, what was happening with the economy combined with some things that were in their control – 
all conspired and then it got put on hold if you will for those next couple of years Absolutely. and it was going it was going to come to a head at a certain point and it has this season um but and i know there's a lot of people that want to spend all the time talking about all the missteps god knows we, we we've done that it's been written about and i think they've gone it moving forward um it's incumbent i think on first and foremost true north but i believe that they're doing that right now to recognize those things do everything in their power to make things as affordable as they can for average fans and to give businesses and regular fans a reason to get back in the building and the end of the day i think everybody wants the same end goal here it's a full building it's a competitive hockey team it's an exciting playoff run and a team that compete for the stanley cup and if all those things happen that is how it will be and um but to your point i mean it is the most sensitive topic possible here in winnipeg with sports fans and to be honest a lot of people that maybe aren't even really sports fans but the effect of this club on so many people's livelihoods and workplaces and stuff is all of it so the stakes are very high as well which adds to the angst when you see what's kind of happened this season and what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks so let me uh pump the tires of my colleague Ken Weeb here and, and also the free press house and just give folks a little uh, little taste of what's to come. Uh, Gary Bettman, he'll be speaking as mentioned at, at 5 p.m. today with the media, but uh, Kenny actually got a one-on-one with the commissioner earlier this afternoon. And I'm just, uh, while we've been chatting here, he sent me a transcript of his interview with the commissioner. Uh, Kenny will have a story up on the free press website uh, fairly soon so a bit of a spoiler if you will the commissioner had a lot of uh, interesting things to say um uh, i'll just leave it as a bit of a cliffhanger to say folks will definitely want to check out kenny's piece and obviously listen to what uh, what the commission has to say uh later today He's, uh, gary bettman's had a very busy itinerary uh today so um yeah i mean uh, kenny definitely asked a lot of the questions that i think are on everyone's mind uh whether it's regarding the jets even pushed him a little bit on the Andy Strickland. I like this pushed him on the Arizona situation and some of the comparables, you know, people wondering why is Winnipeg a concern when you've got what's going on in Arizona. So uh, look for that. And yeah, from the Jets perspective, I mean, look, as Josh Morrissey said this morning, their focus, the players uh, is, is on winning. You know, I, I don't think a lot of folks I know, oh, this is going to be a distraction to the players. I really don't think it is. Um, and the fact that some players like Shifley and Morrissey are going out, you know, paying personal visits, I think that shows that the organization, they know that there is work to be done here, work that they maybe didn't have to do in the past. Um, kind of another teaser for something, Huss, I actually spent last evening um, looking at another grassroots thing the Jets are doing. Um, spent time with a couple of players, and I've got a feature coming on that. I uh, believe it's going to be later this week, but I'll say this. The Jets, I think they get it. They haven't always got it, as you mentioned. Um, they probably took their fan base for granted a little bit. And I guess in hindsight, I mean, you could see how that could happen. Like, they they had it made from, you know, that that first season ticket campaign. And what did it take? About seven minutes to sell out and get a waiting list of several thousand strong. Um, so, you know, times have changed. Obviously, things are a lot more difficult, and they're putting in the legwork. Uh, and, and as I said off the top, I think there's 
there's a lot of room here. There's no, uh, there's no need to be hitting the panic button. Uh, and we'll see how this plays out for now. I think, you know, once today's over and Bettman leaves and, and I think the focus will very much go back to the on ice product where, by the way, you know, the Jets have a chance, Huss, if, if things work their way, they could go to bed tonight. Number one in the NHL in terms of win percentage, they need a Panthers loss along with their win. But the Jets are, it's, it's amazing. Like you look again, we go back to Twitter or X, some of the discourse and discussion. Like in, if, if you only read some things and what people say, I published it in my newsletter last week, you'd have no idea this team is where it's at. Um, even in the last, there's six and one in the last seven, and there's all kinds of talk about, you know, Cole Perfetti and Nikola Ehlers and Logan Stanley, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, it's not always pretty, as as the Rick Bonus said the other day. They're not always going to be Picassos. The Jets, though, they continue to get the job done on the ice. And as you said, you couldn't ask for much more from an on-ice perspective to help the off-ice situation than what this team has done so far this year. Yeah, listen, I, I learned very early uh, uh, in my uh, oh, ticket hustling days that it is 10 times easier to keep a customer than to get a new one sure. and I you know unfortunately I think that was maybe lost a little bit over uh, a period of time but uh, I don't think that mistake will be made again no. um and listen they move on and and listen having the opportunity I mean before it wouldn't have been possible but having the opportunity to include playoff ticket priority for people committing to next season is uh, is a big carrot, and um, you know, obviously, I think for everyone's uh, I- I best interest, hopefully that works. I mean, as far as the team goes, and, and I say this, a long, long um, future of people freaking out over teams that have won six of seven games, and uh, you know, having life or death talks about the seventh defenseman and who's in on the lineup and who isn't um, because listen, that is what it's all about. And everyone's got their own opinion and their own takes, but that is what being a fan is about. That is what being in the market like this is about. And um, as they say, there's uh, there's lots happening. Um, I, 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 you know, you know, we had some people kind of take a run, you know, at me when I was talking to Rennie the other day about, um, you know, there's been so much discourse about the top line. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are vehemently like, blow that up, it doesn't work. And then you sort of look at, and I know people say, well, the power play doesn't count. Well, I, I will counter, how many times have you seen, like put it this way, if you're if you're a person that wants Kyle Connor off the top line and Nikolai Ehlers up there, right? how often have you seen that happen during a period where a guy has 10 points in five games, albeit some on the power play, but playing with those same players. Um, you know, to me, the best case scenario for the Jets going forward is that team, that line sort of shapes up a little bit more and carries their more share of the play, which certainly will help the club. But getting Nikolai Ehlers really driving on a line with a real connection with Sean Monaghan and whoever else is on that line. Right, right now it's Alex Iafalo and... You know, I know it was a quieter game for that line without Monaghan on Sunday, uh, but maybe the best thing we've seen in a long time as far as, you know, looking ahead was what Ehlers did on Friday night, knowing what he is capable of as an offensive catalyst. Uh, that being said, he certainly isn't seeing much of the power play, but I have a hard time giving the guys too much of a hard time because they've been literally living in that zone or scoring on their first time out, and that's it. 
yeah, it's it's now in the category of good problems to have that you you maybe can't get that second unit out because, as you say, the first unit is either ending the power play because they score, or they're spending nearly the full two minutes in the in with zone time and possession. Um, yeah, I mean, I think look the addition on that right side probably with Monahan and Ehlers uh, is going to continue for some time. Alex Iafalo's there. I do wonder. We're now what. Um, 10 days or so away from the trade deadline. I got to think that if you're the Jets, that's an area that you're certainly looking at. You know, what could we, what could be out there? Um, could it, could it help us? Uh, I think ideally, if you're the Jets, you'd love to see Cole Perfetti get going again. And, you know, I find it interesting, Huss, that Cole Perfetti is going to play on the right side tonight. That's an area that, uh, that Rick Bonus previously said that he wanted to avoid putting Cole Perfetti on the right side. Now he's doing it in a more sheltered role, not as the second line right winger, but as the fourth line right winger. Uh, and I think a big part of that is Rick Bonus explained the other day, they're trying to build this kid's confidence back up. It's, it's shattered right now. I had a, a chat with Cole Perfetti. I think it was last Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah when the Jets came back after the Chicago game uh, and practiced, had an optional practice. And my goodness, um, I mean, I walked away from that chat with Colt Perfetti, like feeling bad for the young man. He, he, he was down on himself big time. Um, you know, he actually, I think one of his quotes was, I'm just trying to find a way to help this team. Obviously that's not happening on the stat sheet right now. Um, so it's been a tough go, but you know, maybe Colt Perfetti, we know he's got some chemistry with Vlad Domestikov. If he could maybe find something, find his game a bit, you know, do you potentially now swap Perfetti and I a follow at some point and give him another look now on the right side there? Uh, and, you know, it does go back to that first line and what we talked about and a lot of folks who want to see Shifley, Velarde, and Ehlers reunited because that trio was so lethal when Kyle Connor was out which would then potentially free you up to move Kyle Connor down with Sean Monaghan and maybe a Cole Perfetti. Um, you know, I think right now we're seeing some experimentation go on and yes, some stubbornness from the coach. But to your point, Huss, I think the fact that power play is clicking so well, that maybe has Rick Bonus not wanting to break up the top line, even though they haven't been very good at five on five. Clearly there's some chemistry there. With those three, granted right now, the chemistry is only showing when they have an extra player on the ice. Um, but I guess at this point, he's hoping that at some point the the switch will get flipped and those guys can maybe start to do some things at five on five that we're seeing them do at five on four. Um, you know, and if that doesn't happen, I got to think like Rick Bonus, he's talked about analytics. He, he may be an old school coach. He's aware of the struggles. He's talked about the struggles of that top line. Um, I, I don't think he's going to continue to roll out a lineup that maybe negates your chances of being successful if there's a better alternative. I just think right now, Huss, where they are in the season, where they are in the standings, he can afford to be patient or, as some might call it, stubborn. The urgency that would certainly be there maybe right down the stretch. And certainly if we're talking playoffs, I don't, I just don't think that's there right now. 
nor should it be. You know, if, if we're talking about, I mean, the, the first line is important and the Jets have a lot of talent and they'll be able to score. I mean, I think regardless of how you set that up, um, from from a second line perspective, assuming that Monaghan is the center, and I guess we haven't seen. So, I mean, I, I, I maintain that Nikolai Ehlers as a driver makes that second line as dangerous as you could have it. They're yes. probably getting uh, advantageous matchups and... You know, I, I think th- I think that's part of their thinking, like that Nikolai Ehlers can be the catalyst going forward. And I'll be honest, me personally, I think Ehlers does that more than Kyle Connor. I think Kyle might be more dependent on the guys that he's playing with, um, you know, to get the results that we've seen. you got to take care of things defensively, though. And I mean, that hasn't sure. been as good as it was maybe early in the first half. But, I mean, do you sort of, sort of share that sentiment? I mean, to me... A lot of that is about the second line and making it as good as it can be as much as trying to max out on, uh, you know, your top three forwards that will inevitably get the most ice time. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think Rick Bonus, his number one priority based on just how much he brings it up is the second line and finding a fit. Now, you could say, well, maybe he hasn't experimented as much as you'd like since bringing Sean, like, for instance, we haven't seen, like, what, what would Monaghan and Connor look like together? Might that work? Well, we don't really know the answer to that just yet. Um, maybe we never will. Maybe, you know, and, and if we don't, if, if we never do, that's probably because the first line has gotten its act together at five on five. I got to think that that's in the back pocket at some point here, um, that we, we could see some further mixing and matching. But, yeah, ideally they want to find a good fit for Sean Monaghan. And whether that fit is players that are already on the roster or whether that fit is going out and finding something by a week from Friday, um, you know, I think that's what they're trying to, to figure out here in the coming days. And, and they're running out of games, obviously, to do that. You know, they play tonight, then they go on this three and four road trip, and then they're back against Seattle next Tuesday, and that's it. So they got five games left before you know, some real interesting decisions are going to have to be made in terms of uh, what they might go out and try and acquire. So, yeah, I I think the second line is really the driver right now because um, they just haven't had a second line that's really ever been going at the same time as a first line this year. Clearly, and, and, you know, the the third line, maybe they hit a bit of a lull there, but we know Rick Bonus loves that third line as he has it comprised. And then the fourth line is kind of whatever's left over, kind of an offshoot obviously of the second line and how that's comprised Uh, and right now you know I think if you had said at the beginning of the year that you were going to have Cole Perfetti and Vlad Nemestikov on your fourth like that is that is quite the the talent level on your fourth line A, a fourth line that I dare say the Jets probably haven't had a fourth line look quite like that um and you know again when you get into the playoffs you want to be able to roll roll not just one or two lines, but four lines that are threats to, you know, obviously defend first, but also be able to produce offense. Well, hey, just on that note, um, you know, uh, geez, we're, uh, what, nine days away from uh, the yeah. trade deadline next uh, next Friday, March 8th, which happens to be the third birthday of a WST. Big, big show day. Um, considering where we're at, what we're looking at the lineup, um, the all previous acquisition of Sean Monaghan, um, do you think the Jets would be busy at all? And and, and let's look inside Kevin Chevalier's in between his years right now. 
Um, when he's talking to NHL GMs, what do you think he's looking for? What would be on his wish list? Well, I really am starting to think that, you know, a difference maker, an impact right winger um, is is something that that is and should be on on his radar. Um, and again, Kevin Sheveldayoff would he wakes up today and he sees his team, you know, a couple tiny percentage points out of top spot in the NHL. There's got to be a feeling that the West, not just the Central, but the West is is absolutely winnable this year. And to tie it into what we started talking about, you know, the push for obviously re-engagement with the community and to sell tickets and all that, boost revenues. Uh, I got to think if if you're the the front office, you're giving the green light to your GM here to do whatever it takes to try and win now. And I'm not saying that means he's going to suddenly be reckless and completely mortgage the future. I don't think reckless and Kevin Sheveldayoff are words that have ever really been used before because we know he's extremely patient, methodical. But I do think there's got to be a real feeling that uh, if ever there was the year to really push the chips in, and we saw the Jets already push a significant chip in in their first-round draft pick to get Sean Monaghan in here early, um, you know, it would not surprise me, Haas, if there's another big move uh, that Kevin Shoveldayoff is looking to make, whether he can ultimately complete a deal. We know there's going to be a lot of buyers out there, and there's probably a lot of competition within the West. It is shaping up to be a bit of an arms race, right? Because everyone's going to look over their shoulder at what their closest competitors are doing, and they're going to want to keep up with the with the Joneses, as the saying goes. So uh, the Jets certainly have some assets. They have some young prospects. They also have that extra, that second-round pick from Montreal that could be a very valuable chip to play, given that uh, it's probably going to be a top-10 pick in the second round. And so I got to think that, and, and I guess this goes back to something we've touched a little bit on. Where does a guy like Rucker McGrory potentially... I was just start? about to bring yeah. him up, Mike, because and I mean, when we're because talking about right wings. I mean, there's this your is impact, guy that's, potentially, uh, for I, sure. I, I, now, it's... it's you. you he has not yet played in the National Hockey League, and there is, you know, a lot of unknowns with him. But I will say this. I mean, you want to talk about checking off all the boxes. Yeah. The shot of energy he would bring to the For team sure. as well at the end of a long season going into Be a like playoff like 100 run. Red Bulls. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. He certainly, he will certainly be an asset to this organization going forward as far as... um bringing people maybe back to the fold and feeling a part sure. of it because he we has a special at, personality. We saw that at development camp this summer, last summer, Huss, and how this is a kid who absolutely gets it, and he's he's in his element. Um, you know, the other interesting thing, I don't know if folks have been following Michigan that closely. They're actually, they've fallen in the rankings a little bit. Like, they're going to be in tough, whereas maybe at the beginning of the year, everyone would have said, oh, yeah, they're going to the Frozen Four. Like, they're going to be playing deep into the college hockey playoffs, uh, not so not so guaranteed anymore. And uh, my point being that maybe Rucker McGrory is available a little sooner than some folks might have anticipated because uh, things have not been going, things are still going very well for him. The team, though, uh, has had some struggles, and I think they're now about 17th or something in the nation in rankings. They certainly climbed at one point. They were in the top 10. So, um you know, it, it, it would be an interesting strategy and, and to, to, you know, on one hand, you'd say, well, it's pretty risky 
to kind of bank on this college kid coming in. And not that the Jets need a savior. They, they don't. Um, but if you're kind of almost thinking, well, okay, there's a spot for him. What if, it, what if he's not quite ready yet? Then you say, well, my goodness, we should have done something more. Um, so I don't know how, you know, only Kevin Sheveldayoff would know maybe how, how much the Rucker-McGroarty situation factors into. One thing about Rucker-McGroarty, Huss, you don't have to give up an asset to get him. Like, he's yours. You got him already. Um, and maybe then you could focus on another area. Because I think certainly we're seeing a bit of a, a rotation now again with Schmidt and Stanley. I think certainly another right shot defenseman, maybe not a top two or four guy, but certainly a depth defender. And again, then there's the Billy Hanelis situation and where does he potentially factor in here? Uh, so there are the wild cards a little bit with, with Hanola and McGrory. I do think, though, that if opportunity presents itself and Kevin Cheveldayoff sees a player that he thinks can come in and, you know, you'd worry about the rest, how it shakes out for maybe some of those guys. If you can improve your team in the here and now, I think you'd do it. Uh, and it will make for a very, very interesting uh, trade deadline and lead up to it around here. Uh, what's coming up in the Freep tomorrow in addition to uh, Kenny's exclusive one-on-one with the commission? Yeah, so Kenny's handling the uh, kind of the business side of, uh, of things. And uh, he'll actually have a couple of very interesting uh, pieces today that I think folks will will most certainly want to read. And I will be handling the uh, the game duties. And then, Huss, I get this road trip off. Kenny is heading down to, uh, uh, what do they call Texas? The, the Lone Star State. The Lone Star State, yeah. So Kenny, Kenny's on the road. He'll be uh, covering those three and four. Big week for the Jets, right? Number six. I think Dallas is sixth overall. Carolina's eighth. Uh, and then they finish it off in Buffalo on Sunday evening. So Kenny's got the road trip. And as mentioned, I got a really interesting feature that uh, I spent some time on yesterday putting together. And I'll have that out in the paper later this week. So, yeah, busy, busy and newsy week uh, at the Free Press and in the on the Jets beat in general. Well, certainly today we'll see you down at the rink today. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Mike. By the way, Huss, I know people love their their. Oh Piper. yeah, where's so Piper at? It's, it's really cold out, right? She is. She does not like this cold. So here's Piper. Can you see her? <laughs> Let's see. Here. There we go. She she is all tucked in. She is just. She got her like favorite blankie. Looks so. like she was out at the bar till two thirty last <laughs> night. <Just laughs> really tight one, one on, on. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's uh, Piper says hi. That that will uh, that will make every everybody's day. Uh, hey, Mike, right. thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we'll see you tonight. You bet. Enjoy the game. All right. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press again. Seven o'clock tonight, and I believe five thirty is the uh, the I believe they're calling it a fireside chat. Chipman, Mark Chipman. Uh, and NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, and then a big Central Division matchups. And, oh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the chat is losing it uh, for Piper. Hey, great crowd in here today, well over 600. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't already. And please, if you have not already hit that subscribe button, do so. We're on our way to 12K. Thanks to everyone that got us over 11 last weekend, just in time for our goal of doing it for, for our third anniversary. Um, a couple quick things. We're going to... Have a real interesting chat coming up with the newest player, the Sea Bears. Uh, but uh, bomber news: the Bombers, Sergio Castillo's back. Huge news, stud kicker. We need him. Bombers also signed 
American receiver K.J. Hill, who is Ohio State's all-time leading receiver. Um, so uh, add another um, receiving target for Zach Caleros to the mix for the upcoming Winnipeg Blue Bomber season. It was great to see uh, the Bombers at the Jet game. Willie J was there along with uh, Dalton Schoen. Um, and then they are actually out after the game on Sunday out watching the Winnipeg Westman play in the finals against the uh, Victoria Vikes, number one team. That Westman did fall just short, but what a season for Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, after not going to the Nationals for 29 years, they're going back-to-back. So congratulations, Sean Moranin, former WST guest. He had 34 points in that final. Uh, so we'll check in with the Westman before that. But uh, obviously all our Bomber reports brought to you by our proud sponsors of WST and the Blue and Gold in their home, Princess Auto. Looking forward to seeing you all at Princess Auto Stadium this season for Blue Bomber football and at all those Princess Auto tailgates beforehand. Don't forget, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, might be uh, needing a trip down to Royal Sports to get ready for this stretch to the playoffs. And, of course, hopefully a long spring of whiteouts at Canada Life Center. When you're thinking about Jets merch and Jets gear, there's no better place to do it than Royal Sports. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. All the jerseys customized with the name and number of your favorite player. Not to mention a great bomber section, NFL, Major League Baseball with the Jays just around the corner. And, of course, the biggest and best hockey section in town. Not to mention snowboards, boots, bindings to get you ready for that spring break trip. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can uh, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, Jets hitting the road. We're actually going to be at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame on Thursday night for our event with Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. But if you weren't able to get a ticket for that, no better place to uh, get together with your crew and watch the Jets on the road than your local Boston pizza, ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the big game with sound on the big screen. Hey, if you are staying at home tonight to watch the game, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, well, uh, let's uh, get to this next segment. Sea uh, Bears making moves. First, Teddy Buckets was back. Big Chad, the hometown hero, is back. And now a former two-time MVP of one of their rivals has joined it. Let's welcome in Alex Campbell to WST. Alex, what is up? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. My guys, my guys, appreciate you for having me. Hey, uh, congratulations on the new deal. This is um, this is actually really exciting for us here in Winnipeg following the Sea Bears because the team started last year and the roster really did not change. You're sort of the first big signing from away from Winnipeg that we've seen so far. Tell us a little bit about uh, inking the deal with Coach Mike Taylor and coming to the peg. Oh, uh, well, I, I have some familiarity with Mike, uh, Coach Mike Taylor. Like, he coached the Bandits the year before coming to Winnipeg. And so I was there, you know, we developed a good relationship, good rapport, good everything, you know, just communicating on and off the floor. And then so when he reached out um, at the end of last season, it was it was kind of hand in glove, like a hand in glove fit for me to just 
kind of come over to the to the teal side you know what i mean so so i mean i'm happy that i use my coach and i'll play for coach mike uh, taylor any day you uh, uh came in as a visitor last year um you know, as a CEBL veteran coming into Winnipeg for the first time and seeing what we had going on here with the Sea Bears, what was your, uh, well, what did you think when you were a visitor and how much did that maybe help nudge you towards coming to the peg to play? Yeah, no, I was thoroughly impressed. We went there, I think, twice and then, yeah, and then they came to us twice, obviously, but every time I went there for the both times, it was just electric in the gym and the vibes were high, like the fans are into it, it's like, it was just the mo- the closest thing to like a NCAA or whatever atmosphere. You see what I'm saying? And so we had the first we had you guys opening night last summer, and I was telling um kind of the newspaper yesterday that like I I was expecting that every arena was gonna be jumping like that just because like the way that you know set the tone for the year five or whatever. But obviously that wasn't the case. And so yeah, Winnipeg was somewhere I looked forward to playing every time, and just the energy and the vibe in the in the in the, in the gym is, is is like no other. You know, for for so many of us, last year was the first year we really got exposed to the CEBL having a team here in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, you're a veteran, but you know, also a Canadian player. Like, give us a quick kind of rundown of your university uh, career, like growing up, getting into the game, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about your stops in the CEBL before getting into where else the uh, great game of basketball is taking you. <laughs> Right, so I'm just a, you know, regular Brampton kid, Brampton native, grew up uh, Brampton, just outside Toronto, for anybody who doesn't know where Brampton is. Um, grew up playing ball, rep ball. Uh, a lot of great names that came from Brampton, like Anthony Bennett and the, the, the Andrew Wiggins of the world. Like, all these guys played around the, under the same umbrella in the GTA, you know what I mean? Uh, just playing rep ball. And so... Tristan Thompson, all those boys. So, yeah, growing up in Brampton was, you, you just have to be there. It was a movie. Anyways, growing, and growing up now, didn't really go to the States because of grades and all that stuff. So I went to Niagara College for two years, did a stint there. Then I transferred over to Windsor. I had a great uh, university career there. Um, and then right after, my agency, uh, 3D Global Sports, they, they kind of picked me right out of University of Windsor, and I started my pro career at 2021. 20, so I've been playing for 10 years, which is crazy. And, uh, and, yep. and I was going to say part of that, of course, has been in the CEBL. I mean, you've been, uh, I, I believe you played in every year with the exception of that bubble year two. Yes. Um, how, uh, I, I mean, when people ask you about the quality of the CEBL, what would you tell them? And just from your experience, how have you seen the positive momentum of this <clears throat> league going into last year in the debut of Winnipeg and obviously what this city was able to do raising the bar as far as the experience and the amount of fans in the gym? Oh, it's, 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 it's taken off. This CBL thing is a torpedo. Shout out to Mike Morelli and everyone behind the scenes making it work, um, especially through COVID, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it's just been getting better and better every year. And just to see the introduction of Winnipeg and kind of what they did, record-setting fans and all that stuff, like the sky's the limit for the league. And I feel like they had a, they had an NBL, the NBL Canada, they had a Canadian basketball league before, but the CBL is definitely raising the bar and taking it to new heights. So just, just impressed and gra- glad to be a part of this shit. How, uh, like for a Canadian, um, you know, that grew up in Toronto, but frankly, it doesn't really matter where, because you know, basketball is such an international sport. How important is it for Canadian basketball and young Canadian basketball players to have a league that's flourishing like the CEBL and growing? Oh, I said it on another podcast too. It's it's very important and it's very uh, 
uh, it's 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 giving these young kids something to look forward to and giving them a platform where they can go make some money without having to go through the whole NCAA circuit. Like they can come play U sports, finish, get their degree, most importantly, and then go on to have a luxurious pro career. And so I think that CBL allows these kids to do that without uh, the notion of having to go to America to make their dreams come true type thing, you know? Now, uh, Alex, I mean, from uh, Brampton to Winnipeg, there's been a lot of stops uh, around. We talked a little bit about your yes, CBL time, but um, fill us in on, you know, where the game of basketball has taken you internationally before we sort of get to what you're doing now in the off season, which is keeping you closer to home. Yeah, so just rewinding back to at the end of university where my agent kind of picked me out of Windsor, the first pro stint I had was in China. And so just going out there, you know, young kid, you don't have to pay nothing. Just, just took me out there for a tournament. It was like a three, like a month tournament, to be honest. It was like three, four weeks. And uh, came back with the MVP for 3D Global Sports. Uh, and, what was uh, that experience like? I mean, you know, you probably hadn't done a lot of international travel before, and all of a sudden you're in a a foreign culture, yes, a very sir. different one, no language. I mean, that must have been that must have been a wild month for you. Hundred percent a wild month, but it was like, okay, this is what the pros are like. Like, you know, I I got greedy. That's where I fell in love with the whole idea of all right, becoming a professional player and trying to make this a career for myself. You know what I mean? And that that really opened my eyes to the world. Like, there's so much of the world to see, um, not just U.S. basketball, U.S. I mean, U.S. Canada, U.S. Canada, but like kind of breaking the boundaries and getting out there really, really opened my eyes a lot. So then I came back and um, I played a little bit in that MB, MBL Canada uh, for a bit while I finished school. And then after, right, I took off. I went to Spain. I played in uh, Spain Pro, uh, playing Leb Gold. So that's the second league in Spain. Uh, we had a good career. I mean, a good season there. Uh, kind of overachieved there, if I'm not, if, if, you know, if I'm being honest. And uh, so came back. Did more MBL um, and then CBL. 2019 Rattlers came. My agent told me, you know, it's a new league. It's exciting. There's some stuff. But he he was pitching S Saskatchewan to me. I don't know. What, I was like, Saskatchewan? I've never been out to Saskatchewan in my life. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but he got a couple of the same guys under the same agency on one team. So that's why I was like, all right, you know, let me go spend a summer in Saskatchewan. Uh, did it. We won the championship MVP. It was, an, it, you know, it was a smooth summer. Um, after that, went back to the MBL and then COVID hit. COVID hits, I sit out the summer, or I'm, or we're all home, locked in, like you know, locked up for the for wasn't half much going a year, and <laughs> not much going on here. And then, uh, so then the bubble comes, and I'm just like, you know, like I just signed a deal with uh, Finland. I'm like, you know, why risk it to go get coronavirus? You know, and that in that bubble out there in Niagara. So I just stayed home with the family, found out my girl was pregnant. It was just a lot going on. So then I was like, all right, let me go handle my business in Finland. Went, did the eight months there, whatever, came back for my son's birth. Uh, we had the baby, went out to Vancouver. Let me, I'm just going to speed the story up a little bit for you. Went out to Vancouver. Uh, they, very hospitable, great uh, organization there in, in Vancouver. They got some good stuff going on there. Uh, came back and went to France. And then ever since, it's just been kind of like here and there jobs, the Dominican Republic, Mexico. I did the BCLAs a little bit with the CBL. So 
just trying to balance it out, figure it out as I grow and my kids grow older, you know? The uh, the, the sport's taking you all over the world. <laughs> it's been, uh, it is wild. You know, I mean, we listen, we've got a great history of Finnish hockey players coming to Winnipeg. I'm going to ask you, what was, what's the basketball scene like out in, uh, like out in Finland and um, for a guy like you to show up, I mean, yeah, I'm sure the basketball <laughs> players stand out quite a bit in Scandinavia. Oh, oh. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Like, you know, you got the kids, like, just because, you know, they, they don't really – there is surprisingly a lot of uh, African-American people out there, you know what I mean, believe it or not. But when you play basketball out there, they love you. You stand out. You stick out like a Thor and But I love it. You know, you, love, you get the attention. The kids want to sign autographs. Even if you have a bad game, it's, it's just all love over there. So – yeah, Finland's really slept on for basketball, and I, I do. Uh, it's a great startup, startup uh, place to to start your career. Well, now you're closer to home. You have a family. Alex Campbell, the newest signing of the Winnipeg Seabirds, with us by the way, folks on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And you'd mentioned at the start, you got a call from your agent to go to Saskatchewan, and you're like, "What Saskatchewan? <laughs> you're actually in Saskatchewan right now." And ironically, was here in Winnipeg. Uh, as part of the Big Can West uh, tournament on the weekend, um, what fill us in on where you're at right now, uh, your family situation, what you're doing during the off season, sort of with yep. an eye to the future after your playing career. Yes, sir. So obviously Saskatchewan because I met that that in that 2019. That's where I met my lady. Uh, shout out Kendra, and uh, so you know bought a house here. I laid roots out here. Now I have kids. I have property. I have, like I, I'm out here. So then. In between, I was just trying to figure out, all right, what I can do to obviously stay active or proactive, you see what I'm saying? So while I'm here, so then I contacted uh, the University of Saskatchewan's head coach. They have a new head coach. And he's actually a guy, Jamie Campbell, who I played against while I was at the University of Windsor. And so he, was, he took me in in a heartbeat, was like, you know, come on board. You know, you'd be good as kind of inspiration for the younger guys and stuff like that. So. I mean, uh, it's not a bad gig because I get to use the facility, you know, all throughout year round. Uh, I'm in there with the guys, working out the guys. And uh, it's a good transition, obviously, for, for after three, four years down the road when I'm completely done. Like, you know what I mean? It's something that I just wanted to get my foot in the door with. And um, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far, you know, just seeing the young guys develop. And also they're keeping me sharp. You know, you got we got the rookie of the year here this year, Easton Tim. And uh for Can West and just seeing the growth of those guys is, is very fulfilling for me. So uh, and it's a great, yeah, go ahead. it's a great link too to the CEBL. I mean, one of the things that really stood out for us here in Winnipeg was the contributions of some youth sports players. I mean, Simon Hildebrand, who was, the, Simon. He, yep. he was the rookie of the year last year in youth yep. sports and had, had a big, big role on the Seabears last year. And then Sean yep. Moranen from the university of Winnipeg Westman, who had, just an absolutely monster weekend, bringing the Westman all the way to the finals and pretty yep. darn close to winning the whole thing. Um, was with the team all year long, although not getting into game uh, game action. Um, you, you're probably in some ways a scout too right now, seeing a lot of these young guys. <laughs> um, but just speak to that. I mean, because it also is part of the opportunity that maybe wasn't there for you right when you finished your youth sports career, but is there now for young Canadian players? Oh, 100%. Uh, the Sean Moranins, the Diego Mafias out in D.C. So all these kids, you can see Simons. Like, you can see what the CBL does for their game and their confidence and their and, and their growth. And um, these kids are hitting it out of the park. These guys will be able to graduate and go make good money overseas or wherever they, wherever they want to play. 
because of the CBL. They get pro pro experience. They're getting pro uh, pro competition all summer round, right? Whether they get in the game or not, just being around those guys, being around pros, knowing how to carry yourself, and 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 they, you know, you just learn certain things that you would not get just playing U sports. So. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I have to think that um, you know one of the other bonuses about playing here in the Peg this year is that uh, your young family is going to be a little bit closer and uh, probably get to see Dad do his thing on the hard court. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's 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 all exciting. It all worked out. You know, obviously BC is further away, so they didn't get as much last year. Years before, they were out there with me year round, just because my my girl was on mat leave, but now she's not on mat leave, so it was kind of tough. Obviously. Uh, uh, commuting back and forth, but yeah, this year is definitely uh, much more comfortable. So I'm grateful for that for sure. Well, I mean, all, all the players in the league got to deal with real life stuff, but uh, your real life yeah. story is amazing. I mean, <laughs> the sport's taking you around the world and uh, coming right here to, uh, I would say, the uh, the place where uh, people want to play the most right now in the CEBL because of the way the team is uh, the way the team's been supported. Um, yes, Alex, just uh, for for folks that maybe heard about the Sea Bears last year, but didn't make it to a game. Um, just give them a, a little pitch on just the quality of basketball and entertainment that so many of us kind of fell in love with last year during the season. But the reason why people should give this league a chance and the quality of players that they'll see when they show up this season to Canada Life Centre. Oh, yeah, it's definitely something to do in Winnipeg. I even have, like, have to live out there to know that, like, on a Friday, Saturday, even Wednesday, if you get a get, you know what I mean. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. You you know your kids will love it. You will love it. Uh, it's high quality basketball. Um, a lot of entertainment, dunks, fat like passes, like whatever you name it. And to be honest, Winnipeg was winning last year, right? So we're just look to looking to follow up with that same effort and obviously go, you know, take it one more notch and try to get that that pretty thing at the end. So. Um, that's what my focus is on. And as for the fans that hasn't had it making out to the game, you guys got to come and support, you know, you enjoy yourself. I can promise you that. Well, we were all fired up that, uh, the MVP Teddy buckets is back. Now we've got the yeah. bandits MVP two times, uh, yourself on the squad, big Chad, and, uh, really looking forward to the season. Alex, this is a real fun conversation. We're going to talk to you when you get to Winnipeg at some point, we'll look yes, forward sir. to having you on Winnipeg sports talk again. Uh, now we're, we, we are going to have to maybe get you a little blue to wear instead of the green when it comes to the football <laughs> games this summer. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign me up, brother. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> Alex, all the best to you and your family. We'll see you in Winnipeg for Seabear season. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, man. I oh, really enjoyed that conversation with Alex Campbell and looking forward to Seabear's season end of may things get going for uh the second season after just an incredible debut and uh alex campbell welcome to winnipeg what a fun chat we'll look forward to talking to him again in the future on winnipeg sports talk um all right uh we're gonna get to the games for tonight in a minute gotta thank our friends at aikens lake wilderness lodge gang if you're thinking about an incredible summer fly in fishing getaway in manitoba Make it Aikens Lake. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. World-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from the Aikens team and the Turen family. There's nothing like the Aikens experience. Find out more online at akinslake.ca on uh, availabilities and pricing for the different options for the 2024 fishing season. And uh, shout out to our friends at Sport Manitoba and Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. We'll get to another It Takes a Community to Play segment later on this week. 
Just before we get to the cool bet lines, <clears throat> a lot of games tonight in the league. And Remo, I'll put this, the why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly McGilvery to you as well as to the chat. Uh, while the Jets are playing the Blues tonight, the Dallas Stars, fresh off a OT loss to the Islanders at home yesterday, are going to be in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. Now, Dallas is two points up on the Jets, and the Jets have four games in hand. The Avalanche are two points behind the Jets, and the Jets have three games in hand on Colorado. Who should we be cheering for tonight? Oh, man. Like, I think a lot of people think of the Avalanche as maybe the most high-end, dangerous team. Um, would it be better for Dallas to win and you know, maybe it become a 1-2 race for first place? Or is it better that Dallas loses and the Jets could potentially be officially in first place even with the games in hand at the end of the night? That's today's why not question. Who you got, Colorado or Dallas tonight? Remus, what do you think? My God, um, that is a tough call. Who do I? I think Colorado is going to take it. Dallas played, uh, played yesterday. My man, Dallas—they're really good. They're—I think they're very deep. You know, three lines, very, very strong um, defense. Saw like you look at what do they need at the deadline? Uh, not much. So Dallas, very, and we haven't seen a lot of them. Dallas, and we only saw them like the Jets had. Th I don't know like what they're doing with the schedule, but the Jets had three games against Dallas like all before December last year. We never saw them again. So I'm they're meeting up Thursday. That's a big one. So I'll go. You know what? Wait. So I still think Colorado's going to win. I'm going Colorado. Colorado. That's a, do you, I, I'm just thinking about what's best for the Jets. Definitely no three-point game. Like that's that's basically I think what we should all cheer for. No yeah. overtime. <laughs> a clean win by one of those two teams. Although I wouldn't mind firing up the standings, knowing the Jets have games in hand on both of their opponents and see them in first place. <laughs> um, nice little nice little uh, super chat from Sam Crow here. I may not be able to support the Jets, but I can support WST. All hail the tribal chief, Andrew Hustler Patterson. <laughs> Jeez, I've never gotten a Roman Reigns compliment before, Sam Crow. You're know, a wrestling guy. There's a wrestling yeah. guy. That is that is high, high praise. Thank you very much and appreciate your support, of, uh, of course. Um, all right, well, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Here's what we got tonight in the NHL, and it is a busy one. Did you do a DraftKings contest today, Reem? Yeah, we have one if anyone wants to get in and play fantasy. I should get in I'm very, that. I'm very cold. I was on a heater, I think, January, and then the All-Star break hit, and I've just been... I'm coming back in. I'm coming not going back well. in not going tonight. Well. Um, Caps at Red Wings. Capitals beat the uh, Sens last night. They're playing on back-to-backs. Capitals plus 152. Wings, home favorites, minus 180. Buffalo is in Florida. Panthers minus 241 faves. Buffalo plus 200. Florida loses. The Jets win. The Jets, as Mike mentioned, could be the number one team points percentage-wise in the NHL. Uh, pick them between the Habs and Coyotes in Montreal. Doesn't sound like Clayton Keller's going to be playing in tonight's game. Uh, the Lightning are in Philly to take on the Flyers. Lightning minus 128 faves. Uh, Philly plus 109. Um Vegas, a plus 143 underdog in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Leafs spanked them in Vegas last week. Leafs at minus 169. Uh, the Hurricanes are in Minnesota to play the Wild. The Canes, another road favorite tonight. Lots of home dogs. Minus 146 for Carolina, plus 124 for Minnesota. 
Uh, Ottawa plus 123 in Nashville. Nashville minus 145. We'll finish with the Jets game. Uh, we got Kings in Calgary. Edmonton beating the Kings last night. LA plus 109. Calgary minus 128. That game we just talked about between Dallas and Colorado. Avalanche are favored. Minus 140 for the Avs. Plus 119 for the Dallas Stars. Pittsburgh begins a road trip in Vancouver against the Canucks. Vancouver one six, minus 161 faves. Pittsburgh plus 137. And the New Jersey Devils are in San Jose to take on the Sharks. New Jersey, a big road favorite. I think they'd be the biggest favorite on the board tonight. Minus 258. San Jose plus 115. As far as the Jets and Blues go, the Jets are minus 189 money line favorites. The Blues plus 159 road dogs. The total is six. Under six, minus 117. Over six, even money. And if you do like the Jets to win by two, the puck line is plus 139. As far as player goal numbers, Kyle Connor, no surprise, the shortest number on the board, plus 140 for KFC, plus 180 for Mark Shifley, Jordan Cairo and Nikolai Ehlers, and Gabriel Velarde all at plus 210. Um, we do have a couple of exclusives. Lockshop partner parlay today. We're taking the Panthers and the puck line. Florida to beat Buffalo by two. Tampa Bay money line in Philly. And Vancouver to beat Pittsburgh. That was plus 504. We've got a nice boost today. Plus 575. You can get on that with us in the Cool Bet exclusives. And if you like, uh, we've got such a great lock shop chat. Everyone's firing in their favorite picks. Today on a big day, a little nasty chat parlay with three of our lock shoppers throwing in their favorites. We've got a Jack Hughes goal, a Gustav Nyquist point, and Matthew Kachuk two or more points. That is 11 to 1, plus 1,100, also in the Cool Bet exclusives. And I did just send in a WST parlay. So a little bit later on, probably in the next half hour, it'll be up at Cool Bet. Again, click on the exclusives, and it'll just be below. Uh, we're going to go with Jets money line, Jets to win, a Gabe Velarde goal, and a Josh Morrissey point. Uh, probably be in and around plus 375, maybe 4 to 1. So uh, check on that. I'm going to jump on that as soon as it's up. They always give us a nice little boost. Again, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to uh, 200 bucks on your first uh, on your first play. Um, busy night tonight, Ray. I'm going to be getting down to the rink early to hear the commissioner, Gary Bettman, Chairman Mark Chipman, and more. And then uh, probably an extra hour to talk to fans in and around the concourse before we drop the puck just after 7. Yeah, big fireside chat. And the Jets are streaming the press conference at 5 o'clock on their channel. And I'm refreshing uh, the free press for Ken Weeb's exclusive with Gary Bettman. Uh, hasn't popped up, but Mike did tease that. So I'm curious what he's going to say there and... It's a big topic here, and now we can kind of put it to rest and move forward, hopefully with the Jets' win before they head into Dallas on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, lots of off-ice topics to get to and lots of on-ice topics to get to as well, namely the Jets pushing for first place in the Central Division. Uh, great show today. Thanks to Mike McIntyre. Thanks to Andy Strickland. If you popped in late, make sure to go back and check out that segment. We 
hit a number of topics with Andy. It was great. And Alex Campbell, what a great guest he was from the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be back at it, uh, recapping both the pregame festivities at Canada Life Centre tonight with the commissioner, as well as what happens on the ice after 7 p.m. Make sure to join us at 1 p.m. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and check us out on podcast for you YouTube listeners and vice versa. Subscribe for free wherever you get your favorite pods, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and uh, we will look forward to catching up with you guys all tomorrow. Thanks again to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day and all of you for making us a part of yours. We'll catch you tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Las Vegas, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th.